Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special episode of the Ponytails Podcast. Uh, as you know, this show is usually hosted by the great Andres Gamboa. Just Andres Gamboa, it's good. <laughs> Not so great. But um, today, it's a lot of pressure. I have the honor of being your host, Jacob Levine, interviewing the host, Andres Gamboa. The honor is all mine, dude. Thanks for being a fan. Thanks Andres. for supporting. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. I've been looking. I've always wanted to be on the show. Um, I was wondering when you were going to call me <laughs> to tell my story. I just, I just felt like it was time, and it, and it, it is a good time for our two hundred fiftieth episode. That's right. Can you believe that? I can't believe. It. I forgot most of you. Quarter, <laughs> quarter of a thousand. That's not a great week in the summer, but a solid number of episodes. for a first year. That's a good week. For a first year. Yeah. Yeah. Like for an okay first year. Yeah, yeah, in the first few weeks. Yeah, I, I was hitting PC first year, so... Your first me, week was like 270 or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, I guess that was at the time considered pretty solid. Yeah, at the time, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah just do it three more times, you'll hit 1,000. Yeah, good. dude. Actually, it is weird to think about it, because it feels like we just... Like, if... Um, it feels like we're still just getting started. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't realize how much I knew about podcasting until... Started working on Dustin Hillis's podcast, and then as people started giving us feedback, the feedback changed from more critical to more instructive and supportive. It's a weird feeling, right? Yeah. I, I've I've felt that for video at times where it's like I feel like I don't know anything because I just kind of taught myself everything, and then I get other people's like to see it, and they think it's you know like crazy, and I'm like I just I just did. Yeah. Normal, normal stuff it feels like and we still see the errors yeah like we still do episodes and we have had episodes that are more from a not from a content standpoint because i think a lot of them are pretty good if not all of them are really really good but that's because i'm biased right mm-hmm. i went from like a production quality standpoint yeah i see the holes yeah like when the guest doesn't have a mic on or they do but it's not tuned right or like you know adjusted right for sound or the camera angle's wrong or um like you know what you missed and uh, like sometimes i'll go back and listen to just for myself like watching tape for like improving mm-hmm. and like i'll still be like oh man we were supposed to go down this entire topic and we just dismissed it because we went on a tangent which i guess is part of the fun of the show but i see the mistakes and i'm like dang it yeah come on and and even if you know that no one's gonna notice it doesn't matter because no. you notice that's right yeah totally that's right or like when you worked really hard to make it a certain level or you tried really hard or you tried something new whether you got a new mic or new camera or something or new lights and then it's not still quite what you like you're like this is going to be the solution yeah and then it's not but people are like wow that looks much better and i'm like it does but that was not what i was going for yeah it's it's like you're chasing a a cheetah that you never catch for for the people listening who sold books for relation it's like when you first sell books and you've been trying to hit more and but then like you hit PC, and at one point you would have loved PC. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, wow, I hit PC. So your expectations changed. But, like, then all of a sudden you're hitting, like, you know, chairmans, but you're still choosing, trying to get more. Yeah. But you're hitting chairmans, but it feels like you suck. And then you hit more, and then it's still not enough, and yeah. you want to hit the next thing. Because then other people are hitting, you know, whatever, 2,000 units. Yeah. And the difference between Southwestern and, like, running your business, especially one that's about production or content creation, is that 
there's always going to be a better person doing it. Whereas with books, it's like, you know, the record is whatever, 3,000 units in the week, but like, that's still like the best. So even if you're in 2,000, you're still like, maybe still missing your goals, but you still can get it. And then you're the top dog. It's not that like, I'll, you know, I'll see other podcasts and I'm like, dang, man, we're still, I might've hit my mort or whatever that was, but now my, it's more like that mort all of a sudden becomes PC again. And you're like, shit. Yeah. And there's never really a mort. Yeah. So then you just die. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, this is a much bigger conversation than we should have in the first 10 seconds of the episode. But Yeah, welcome everybody. But uh, no, <laughs> I, I, so I definitely weird. noticed that. It's like, I feel like I finally figured or started to figure that out. Like my last summer, just like realizing the units are never going to be enough. Right. So right. to not try to have them be enough. And then, and then like now it took me, you know, a, a few years now out of the business to like realize I need to apply that to life where it's like, you know, whether it's in my business or whatever, I can't try to have a goal be enough because the goal's never going to be enough. It's right. always going to be like your activity towards the goal. If yeah. that's like that, that has to be your enough. Yeah. And I feel, Yeah. It, it, it's also crazy because you know there's such a that cliche. I hate cliches, generally speaking. But they're but, right. So but often. they're uh, yeah, like that. You know, it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. That's really what this life is about. This like like it's unlike sales because sales you have quotas or you have like goals and you can either hit them or not, and they're realistic. But there's no goal that you can set that's realistic, even if you are the best at what you do. Like the best podcaster out there, whatever that even means regardless of the criteria somebody's probably the best right mm -hmm. and so even if you're that person you still want more need more like because there's oh it's always changing and it's always growing and that's different than sales because you could still like you know peter has a record and yeah maybe he wants more but like at some point it's like you that is that is the record yeah that's as best as you can get yeah like if you run the mile right at some point, it's like you can't run the mile in 10 seconds. That's physically, nobody's ever, ever going to do that. You know, people are like, oh, no, you could still break records. No, there's going to be a point where it used to be the four-minute mile, right? But yeah. there is an actual limit to your quality of run. Nobody runs, unless you're the flash, that would be supernatural. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so you yeah. can't run a mile in 10 seconds. Maybe yeah. the record's like, instead of three minutes and 43 seconds, maybe it's 3.30. But it's definitely not one minute. Yeah. Nobody's going to run four laps in a minute that's that would be like a superman Absurd, yeah. fantasy thing yeah you know so there is that level so at some point there is a level but with what we do there's it, there's no it's art it really yeah it's subjective. so cheesy but to say it that way but it is it's the truth it's just yeah. it's never going to be enough how what are we doing this for daunting let's just give up let's go back to something yeah that's why i like <laughs> skiing or just have fun and then it doesn't matter yeah but it is like, it, it is, it, I, that's what I have to tell myself because I go insane is like, it's not about how good it is. It's just about enjoying the growth because that's a good thing of it too. On the same side is there's always growth. So, um, I've always been good at talking to people. Mm -hmm. Like that's just been part of, that was one thing about selling books that I was not nervous about. It wasn't that it was actually being away from home was out of the three fears that they give you. Mine was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be away from home, but I always liked the sense of adventure and so now with this, I have to remind myself like, okay, it's about the growth. It's about the growth. And I grew in talking to people through Southwestern, but this experience of hosting a show and then trying to interview people that you've never met, it taught me a ton. 
Do you need to pause? No, do you, uh, Oh. It just... Keep talking. Oh, it just taught me a ton about, like, people and connecting with people. So now, like, when we were in Europe, you saw my developed skills from even books up to connect with people and just, like, asking questions and making them feel heard. But that's something I really appreciated about that. So that's what I focus on. I was like, okay, how have I improved to become a better listener because of it? Even though I'm talking most of this, but... I guess that's why we're doing this is because I normally don't get to talk. This is the time you get to talk. <laughs> and so now it's like, okay, I get to talk. But that's, that's, that's what's been interesting about, about this whole adventure has just been how much better I could get at something I thought I was already good at. And yeah. it's like, okay, cool. At some point, maybe I'll be the best. Yeah. Whatever that means. I, uh, I just finished this book um, about the science of happiness. A uh, very good book written by a Howard professor and, and Oprah. Um, sure. and not to like go in, uh, about the whole book, but one of the th- biggest things I took away is they talk about the, the three ways that people, you know, get happiness and not things to get unhappy, like less unhappy, like, like a difference, but happiness comes from, uh, purpose, enjoyment and satisfaction. Yeah. And I think after reading that, it's kind of like cleared a lot of things up about like what, is important to like strive towards because like you know sometimes your job is your purpose which is i think yeah. like p- p- people that have that um surgeons surgeons like people that have that i think are very blessed uh, i think we're very blessed that our jobs are our passions and also our purpose but you know sometimes a job is just a job and you make money to do things that bring you enjoyment or you do things to yeah. get you the others and and Sometimes the job is just to make money to feed those three things to, you know, get happiness from. And uh, I think, like, figuring out what areas in your life bring you, ha- like, actual happiness and not, like, empty happiness is, like, something that has been, you know, taking a long time to try to figure out. Yeah. And it's it's weird because I don't, I don't know that I would say that this podcast brings me happiness. It brings me stress. But it brings me satisfaction yeah from the standpoint of when we have i mean again i like all the conversations that i've had so everybody has said something that i was like huh i just learned that and so it's more the, the way it feels more for me it doesn't feel like work it feels but it doesn't feel like like stand up i, I feel a lot more pleasure yeah a lot more like enjoyment more enjoyment but this doesn't it's this is more like more a, satisfaction more like the gym yeah exactly so like when you like yeah. it the way they explained it is the the harder the struggle leading into the satisfaction, the more yeah. ha- happiness you get out of it. Yeah. It's like when I... So funny how that w- works. When I go rock climbing, like the harder of a problem I'm, I'm working on, the moment I get it is just much, like even that more euphoric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting. And that has made a lot of sense. Like on that... That was put into words for me. It just like a lot of things in my life just kind of made sense of why, like they work the way they do, like rock climbing and like things like that. Yeah, learning to understand, understand it. You know, it's funny because it, it's I, it's weird because I don't have a coach in this. And oh man, that's like, but it's kind of hard to find a coach for podcasting because mm-hmm. it's still so new. Right. And there's, and you know, the, the idea of finding a coach is like you find someone who's doing it like you want to do it and you ask them to be your coach, you know, and then you pay them, whatever. But there's not even anybody doing it like 
that. And I, I've never like, I mean, you get your big ones, your Joe Rogan stuff. So all I'm trying to say is it's weird because I'm kind of alone. Mm-hmm. And it feels that way a lot of the time. And so it, it's just one of those things where it's like, do another rep, do another rep, do another rep, just keep going. And the only sense of feedback I get, because normally you get feedback from your coach. Hey, you did this great, but you got to tweak this. Right? You were selling books. That was normal. Yeah. So the only sense of feedback I get is when people leave us a review or like, it's like more indirect. Like someone says, oh yeah, I'll call someone to be on the show who like we got recommended and I'll call them. Hey, this is Andres. How's it going, Tom? And they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of you. Like that little thing like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the other day, uh, Yvette texted me that uh, Emmy Brown was on stage for the Southwestern Consulting's GRS and she was like, oh yeah, I she brought me up and I guess my ability to ask questions and like how she wow. was impressed by that. So you hear things like that and you're that's like, crazy, dude. that's cool. That's yeah. really cool because I never would have thought that that's what I would be good at. You know what I'm saying? I've never would have thought that that's the thing that people would say about me that was a good thing. I thought it might have been something where like, oh, he's really good at sales because he sold with this company or he's really good at, uh, you know, money because he was, went to school for economics. So like the things that I got a title in, quote unquote, or like a certification in. Yeah, yeah. That I can prove, hey, look, this is proof that I can do this relatively well compared to someone who doesn't know anything about it. Um, Whereas this is like, oh, at first I went from who are you and nobody cared what we were doing. And then it was people who started reaching out to us that we, like Pat, for example, reached out to us and was like, hey, I want to be on your show. Like, that was cool. That was like a big boost of confidence that I didn't take, like, it wasn't because of me. It just meant we were doing something good. Um, yeah so those are the only feedback things you get yeah like who's coaching you for, for camera stuff or who and that's just a YouTube video that you learned about how to do this you tweaked until you got it right and you're still working on getting it better but it's hard when people unless people tell you like with physical words or with their actions I guess by being able to say hey we want you specifically to shoot our video for this thing like those are the only real keys or, 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 or hints or clues that you're doing a good job yeah yeah and it's hard to find those yeah it's kind of like i mean it's different for you because you're you know much more you've been out of southwestern for a much longer time but the way i i always described it to myself and and others like what when you leave southwestern it's almost like you go from being in like a a river where there's like banks and turns that like are preset to like just floating into an ocean where you can mm-hmm. swim in any direction, as far as you want, with with no direction, no guidance, nothing. And even if you have a coach, it's, it's still, still crazy. And, and yeah. so you have to kind of make you kind of have to, have to like build your own imaginary river in an ocean, and you know decide yeah. which direction am I going to go? You know how how far am I going to go? What's what's the right direction? What's the right distance? And like yeah, like sometimes you just kind of like pick it up along the way, and it was it was definitely weird. Because, you know, when I was starting out, obviously, like, like all my friends, my family were like, oh, Jacob, you're so good. And, you know, that was that was nice to hear. But, like, I'll never forget, like, the first time a, like, professional company got a video that I sent them, you know, that they paid for. And they were just like, this is great. So pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so pleased. And I was like, that was when I knew it's like, they're not just being nice. Like, if they didn't like it, they would absolutely tell me and probably be pretty upset. Because they paid for it. They paid for it. And they're a legit fucking company. So, like, that was like, I was like, okay, I'm, I got to be on to something here. If a a legit company 
without any revisions, it's just like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And, that, and, and so, yeah, like things, like moments like that just kind of t- will let you know you're doing something right. For me, that moment was when Dustin Hillis called me when he was still with the company. And I don't even know if Dustin remembers doing this, but um, he called me and he wanted, in, in long distance, long story short, he asked me to move to Nashville to do the podcast, but, with, Be bought uh, by. but with Southwestern. Yeah. And like do interview alumni. And, yeah. Right. And then there was like this whole, like, they were going to publish my book and sell it and all this stuff. And, and I said, that's why I said no. Cause I mean, it was a, com- it was a compliment in a lot of ways. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm, they don't do that unless they see money or they see, and, and I'm not talking about Dustin. I'm talking about the conglomerate of Southwestern. Yeah. They don't top, they don't approach you with something like this. They're not in the business of losing money. Yeah. Unless they think that there's money to be made. There. Yeah. Or, or in this per- specific particular case, is because they felt, I'm not saying that this is the case, I'm saying the other option was, I know you're gonna say. they felt threatened. Yeah. Which for, either way. From what we were doing. But either, either way, way, I'm like, I'm on to something. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> huge compliment. Because that happened, you know? So, like, those are little moments I think of where I'm like, the imposter syndrome leaves a little bit because there's parts of me often that's like, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You didn't go to school for this. Nobody taught you. You suck at this. And you have no business charging people to sponsor you or charging people to consult them about their podcast. Like, how dare you? Yeah. You are fake. You're fraud. Every day, dude. Right? But then I think of moments like that. I'm like, no. No, I'm doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess to segue into the first like topic I was, I was wanting to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. T- talking about all the you know the big moments you had in the podcast, um, f- people that have, have listened to the, the the podcast know this story in bits, but I think it'd be good to like just get the full story somewhere, just about how the podcast started, what oh, it was like yeah. in the beginning, and then you can touch on like important moments throughout that you think are important to the story. Yeah. Know? Well, I told the story yesterday, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so how do I start? I mean, I, I guess, um, uh, from the beginning or in the beginning, it was all about, I, at the time it was about me and later on I found out that I really didn't want the podcast to be about me, but that was a whole different, we'll get to that. But the beginning was because I was lonely and it was the middle of the pandemic. So I am a pretty extroverted person. To say the least and put it mild, mildly, but um, when when a pandemic hits and you're shut down and there's really nobody around, I was sitting at home by myself like for weeks, and that's it's a that's a tough place for an extroverted person mentally to be. Tough for everyone. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and plus all the stress that was going on, and you know, it was stressful for everybody. Um, even people who said it wasn't stressful, ah, pfft, we got over it. It's like, no, dude, it's still a shift in the world, the, the way you live your it life crazy has changed. Time. It's it a crazy, crazy time. Um, and so anyway, so that's kind of what, it, I, I was just lonely and I needed like an ex, a release. Um, but the, the actual story of, of Pony Tales itself. So I was in Portland, Oregon, which is where we're now. I live here now. And I, I, came, to, I came to see a bunch of friends from Nebraska and also to see Will Metcher. Shout out, Will. Love you, buddy. But, um, yeah, so we were here. There was a group of us, a uh, bunch of book guys that I didn't know. 
but within minutes it was like they were in my org or in my hq like i had been in high school buddies or something and you know we're talking about all sorts of stuff and there was one guy who didn't sell books and i weirdly enough this guy's important to the story but uh we were sitting at the bar we're drinking beer i'm talking to this guy because he seems a little left out he's he fits in fine but there's like a part of us you, you could tell he like would check out every once in a while kind of like a third wheel in a way <laughs> they're like oh this is a conversation for the three of us and all of a sudden it's like the couple starts kissing or something and it's like oh so that in that way he it felt like he was left out yeah and so i would talk to him like so man what do you use like oh, i'm in sales i was i went door to door with like the painters or cucko or some shit and i'm like oh cool uh i don't know how this maybe i've been drunk maybe shitty to say i've said this but at some point i said something like i get it but it's not the same and he goes oh it's the same like i don't think it's the same and so i'll prove it to you and I turned to the table who, you know, they were talking amongst themselves. And I go, hey, you guys want to hear a pony story? And they all stopped at what they were talking about. They turned and looked at me. Some of them took a sip of their beer and they're like, yes. And the guy was like confused. He's like, what the hell is a pony story? And I'm like, exactly. That's why it's different, bro. And so that feeling was really cool, connecting to alumni in the wild. But then... Um, I'm sitting, I'm listening to Joe Rogan and Alex Friedman, these like long form podcasts. And I kept having this thought of like, you know, if there was a, ever a book person, like if Kevin Stitt or something for whatever reason ended up on Joe Rogan or on Lex Friedman's podcast. And at one point they mentioned that they did this door to door thing, the can of worms that would be opened to the world because they were on there would be insane. And so then, then that got me to think, I wonder if there has been like a book person. There's going to be like a podcast with like some famous book person. So I looked up like Southwestern. I looked up door-to-door sales books. Uh, and there was like, you know, door-to-door pros or experts. Sam Taggart has a podcast, but it's for more door-to-door people in general. But I was looking for like one where it was like a book person, like even a famous alumni, Larry Wilmore, or like some of these famous alumni mm-hmm. and nothing. And I'm like, no way. There's a hundred thousand living people who did this fucking program and not a single one statistically you think one well one me <laughs> so one that's did. how it started I called nick tverdi shout out nick we love you too um and yeah it was it i mean it was, i nick helped me figure out how to put it up on i was like i got this idea and i was curious to see if you'd be able to uh, host it with me because i don't know i'll go i'll get the people and you figure out how we can get it on the air and so he figured that out. And then I had Jeff Powers, Brandon Q, Phil Zolke, Shane Hurtig, and I think Sarah Ayub was her fifth one. Or what I, I can't remember the first five. The first four were all the four skills. Yeah, it was Sarah Ayub was like sixth or seventh or something. Oh, wow. So it was uh, Meredith Gardner, I think it was sixth. Yeah, she was like nine or eight. Yeah. And then um Vicky Olas mm-hmm. was early on too. Yeah. Um but anyway, so we went live to the uncensored page. Thanks, Miles, for letting us do that. And um, yeah, and so we had people watching. Uh, I said it, I said this yesterday, but at one point there was an episode we were still before we started just posting them afterwards instead of live. There was we got up to like 35, 40 views or something. Live one, viewers. A live viewers, which might not seem like a lot compared to like the Super Bowl, obviously. But in my head, and as I said, it was like, my head, that's 40 people who could have been watching a movie. They could have been fucking their spouse. Something. They could have been doing anything else than that. 
but they were decided that this was more important than anything else they could have been doing. And that's amazing. I mean, that was, and people were like, this is back when we were going live and people were like post questions and we were asking questions. Things have changed, obviously. Um, but it was just fascinating that yeah. it was working. Um, and then, okay, so maybe your milestones, you know, Matt Atchison's episode. Well, I mean, shit. If we're going to really give it the real full story, since it's like, we might not tell this part again, like, Honestly, every episode was uh, it felt like a milestone because it was like, dude, we're doing it again. When we got to ten, we were like, holy shit! There was we found ten people 10 that huge. like gave us like ten was amazing, you know. Um, but there was definitely moments that were like bigger highlights, not because the people were more famous, sometimes because of that, or in some part of that way, but it was because like the the kind of stories that they told. Uh, Omar Iriba's episode. I think it was, was like tenth or eleventh episode, bro. Like immediately, I was like, "This is what we're doing." This the is what car we going to off do. the road. Yeah, I mean everything. About what it. he was doing before yeah. Southwestern. Yeah, we gotta get him back on again, dude. That was such. Yeah, that's still one of my favorites. Yeah, it's just such a good, like. But that's what I mean. Like, Omar might not be as famous as like Matt Atchison or Grant Reader because of the longevity that they were in the in the business versus like. But he's still. But he's still a legend, but it wasn't even about the fact that he sold a lot of books. It was just the way that he told the story. He's a great storyteller. Different than anything else that we'd seen on an advanced sales tape or a Southwestern interview or even a GRS address. Like, nobody had really told these stories. raw. Just flat out, you know? So, yeah. I mean, that was that that, cool thing. You know, Atchison was another big one. And that one was big, again, not because he's Matt Atchison, but it does have something to do with it. But it was because it was Matt Atchison saying things like, I would. I hated selling the book store door. I'd hit Mort on a Saturday and go get a beer. Yeah, I got. I got a beer. And you're like, dude. His advanced sales tapes were amazing, but you're never gonna find him talking like this about dude, the book field. It was such a different that way of blew approaching it. My yeah. mind open. It was crazy. Yeah. Then Yvette was another big one. Yvette was, you know, a legend in the book field. She, like, accomplished pretty much. She, she rung all the bells except the record-breaking summer. But, I mean, she hit everything. She was like a legend and one of the most impressive people I've ever met. Just badass woman. And then she's on our show telling just some funny stories and doing it her way. And that was cool. Um, other moments that were big was, you know, Kate Wright. Obviously, big, big episode with her ability to just, it was like, this, she's like, I've only told this story another time. And it was like when I got told not to by Henry Bedford, you know, um, and so, yeah, it was just wild. Pat Roach calling us, that was big. Dave Rosen's episode was, I mean, it was crazy when we just called Dave Rosen. And he was just like, yeah, no objections, no. The only thing that was, like, different than everyone else is because he had a personal assistant because he's just an extremely busy guy. So that was the first time I had to, like, deal with, like, deal, scheduling with, like, their assistant. But other than that, it was like he showed up on time. He showed up prepared. He came to play ball. And he fucking let it rip. He... He was ideal because he was, like, the first big, major, controversial person, quote-unquote, that we had. Mm. Because he was, like, you know, arrested in the Clintons. And so he was like, ask me. And we were like, dang, dude. This is the first time anybody's asked him about this. Probably. Ever. Definitely on a public Like, publicly. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And and he gets to talk about it. And it's been years since that happened. You know, 20 years now. But And he was, you know, obviously proven... In a sense, he was acquitted with all, of all charges and stuff. But, like, just that story alone, to have been able to have that, that's in our, we own that content. That's crazy. So, um, I think that was another major milestone. Other other major moments that I'm like, wow, this was wild. Talk about what it felt the first time you got sponsors. 
Oh, okay. I was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, first sponsor was Julio Hernandez. Still is a sponsor. Um, shout out to Enlight. You guys are looking for a place to work. Um, yeah, great company. They, he just wanted to support what we were doing. He's like, I think that's cool you're doing. That's rad. How do I help? And we're like, well, we could use help paying, keeping the lights on. So he like sent us money for that. Lights. Yeah. Um, How'd that feel? I, I know like the feeling I had my first paid job, like doing video. I don't know if you had a similar feeling. Yeah. Um, that one felt, that one felt more, that wasn't as big of a feeling because it just felt like he was helping us out. Okay. Like he saw the value in it and he was getting something in in return. But he was mostly doing it. But it was just like, Hey, I like you guys, you know, here's some money. But when we actually tried to pitch it and it was, uh, Pat Roach. Mm. And that one actually felt really weird. That, that, I don't know. I didn't even know how it felt like it, 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 I mean, I was super happy and I was able to show why we have value and he sees that still, you know, he still supports us. Um, but I think the better feeling wasn't the money. The better feeling was what he was, why he was paying. He was, you know, I get all the stats and it's good that you guys are getting numbers and you guys are growing and whatever, even if nothing comes off of this. I just believe in what you're doing and the fact that like you're transparently telling these stories. Mm-hmm. And to hear that coming from someone who's the president of one of the sister companies was like, and again, another legendary person, right? He's keynote address every year almost now. And it's yeah. like, that's a big deal. Like people know who this guy is, you know, at the time. Um, so I think it just felt like a good, that was another one of those moments where it's like, oh, we are on something. Like people see value. Now, am I valuing it, undervaluing it maybe? Am I overvaluing it maybe? I don't know. Because I get I'm new at this, but I was able to express, hey, this is important. And they said, yes, it was. And they didn't just tell me. They put their money where their mouth was. Mm-hmm. And that was important. So, I don't know. It felt, it felt uh, honoring. It felt like I was be- we were we being honored yeah. as, a, as a group. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had people cry on the show. Um, I think of stories that are impactful. Noel Spore's story is always going to be a special one. Um because of how she told it, because of the moment. It was right around the time Roe v. Wade. Was like, that's when it was like really yeah. heating up. And it, yeah, it was just, when I mean, we don't do pre-approach, so it was like, I had no idea that that was what was coming. Yeah. That was the only time besides Kate Wright where I genuinely remember thinking like, this is, oh, no, and then there was Robin Mukherjee as well. But those were like oh, two or three. Oh shit. Oh, yeah, is, those were like oh shit this moments. Is crazy. Where I was like, oh, this is gonna be crazy. Yeah. And I felt it feels honoring when people share the, those stories with you. Yeah, they they feel comfortable too. Yeah. Tell you deep stuff like that, especially on a public place. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the most rewarding part of it. Is you're like, man, I feel like, and we might not keep in touch, or I mean, we do it, we try to, but it's not like. I'm texting all our guests all every day. Two hundred forty-nine other people, plus because there's some that had two episode two per episode. But like it, and I might not remember all the details of all their things. I'm not Dan Moore that way, where he's like, "Oh yeah, episode one hundred and sixty-two, we recorded with this person, and it was 
an hour and 30 minutes in. They sold this one as their first summer. Yeah, you jeez, like, I don't remember this. I, but even though I remember all the details and stuff, I do remember recording each of the episodes. Yeah. I remember exactly where I was sitting, what the, I was, the, like, the where people. I was standing. I even remember, like, where my desk was, because my desk has moved a ton, mm-hmm. you know, as we've grown. But, like, I remember where I was sitting, you know, when those stories were told to me. Yeah, it's weird how our brains work. I'm the same way with, like, like uh, pictures I've taken. Like, sometimes um, I'll work an event where there's multiple photographers. So there's, like, very, very similar pictures of the same thing by a different photographer. And then I'll just, like, see someone post a picture uh, f- from that event. And, and I immediately know I, I took it. Yeah. No, that, that, I, oh, I took you that photo. took that photo. Like, like, from where you were standing. I can recognize which photos are the ones I took because I took it, I edited it, and it's just like, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, it's like seeing an old friend. It's just like something clicks where it's like, that's familiar, you know? Yeah. And, and two with that is like, in the same way with podcasting or like with a podcast, I just remember, it's again a cliche, people don't remember what you say, they remember how you made them feel. It. And I remember how ever, all those people made me feel. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've had some funny moments, dude. Lee McCroskey story, bro. Oh my god. A lot of poop stories. Oh my god, dude. Some goats. Naomi James, I was an ab workout for some, two hours. Yeah, some go- goats biting butts. Whole, whole lot. So much. So many funny times. So many, and then they, and then they bots. And then they bots, dude. Just, it's just hilarious. Poach, yeah. poachers. Not poachers, patters, patter stories. You've had oh patter my. stories. <laughs> so, so good, dude. Me and, I, me and I were just talking about patters, how, how crazy that is. And then, yeah, patters. Um, we get them all. And Amish. How I Met My Wife. How I Met, how your I met My Husband. Yeah. Also, we're doing this like Couples That Didn't Sell episode. And it was a lot harder to find alumni with spouses that didn't they're, sell. They're a rare breed. Just say that. It's weird. They're a rare breed. I just couldn't. I'm like, how? why is it so hard to figure out? Because everyone just marries people in Southwest. Yeah, it's weird. Sounds like it's a cult. That's why we're a cult. Yeah. <laughs> but it, we don't but, drink literal Kool-Aid. No, we drink positivity Kool-Aid, but sometimes yeah. it's too sweet. Um. <laughs> so I guess, you know, fast forward, you know, we get through all those moments, um, you know, mom markers how does it feel both to be where we are now with the podcast and you know like where do you want to take it do you have oh man i don't know i don't know see this is another thing with that's like people who are in southwestern are super goal oriented to be like oh like i don't have a goal with this i think the only concrete goal that i have is if we get to a thousand episodes and then maybe we'll call it a day like you know what that was good we found one percent of all y'all and we got most of the major stories that, or different kinds of situations. I'm sure there's situations that I we still haven't even unpacked of things that have happened. But like, I mean, are there things? Not even like concrete goals, like concrete goals, but like, are there things you want out of it before you get yeah, to thousand? Yeah, I mean, the the I, I think I think that's the biggest thing that changed, or the things that have been that uh, lately the big shift in mentality. But we do has changed where now. What I would like to do eventually, even if it's, even if the podcast ends, what I would like to continue or for the legacy of it to be is about who, or what we did for the alumni community. 
So, and, and you know, a big shout out to Lucy, who's managing Southwestern alumni for Southwestern. That's something that I feel like is a, not a new role, but relatively newer, higher efforts for it. Yeah, it's, be, it's being more prioritized. Yeah, like for all, all of a sudden, my neighbors drove up. All of a sudden, you have a Southwestern alumni Instagram page where it's like, but Instagram's been around for 10 years, 12, 14 years. You just now this year got one. Um, yeah. And I don't even know how much influence that uh, the podcast has made for Southwestern kind of get a little bit more, try to get more involved or more intentional about being involved. But all that to say, good for them and that's good. I think that's a happy thing for the for the company. Yeah. Congratulations. Overall win. But that doesn't mean that we can't do that. And I think that the biggest thing that we want to do, I want to do for me, like if, if, the, if the podcast ends or continues for 10 years or continues for five more, whatever, I would, 12 years would get us to a thousand episodes at the rate we're going. But anyway, however long it takes, um, that the community that we have built because of the podcast is still there. So to put that into more tangible terms, what I mean by that is, uh, I started trying to think like, how do I, how do I round up these hundred thousand people? And even if we don't touch and see all hundred thousand, like how do we gather as many? As we can. So I started asking people in different major cities. So if you guys are listening and you want to be a help part of this, and is I asked Pat Roach, uh, Steve Hurley, I've asked um, uh, Javed Bagani in San Diego, um, different people in different major cities to gather alumni and hang out and just have it be not focused on the company at all, but just around the people. Like we're going to hang out and we're going to do a bowling night every, once a month once a quarter, I don't know how often, um, or we're going to just hang out at this local bar. It's like a dive bar, but every third Thursday of the month, it's book people time, and then more and more people show up, and it becomes like little orgs <laughs> or communities. And then we can do like little reunions with the podcast. So it's like, all right, in June, we're in Chicago. Come check out, um, you know, the Ponytails podcast will be officially, it, it, it's the official like, uh, banner that we gather under as a as a as a, as a unit, which is that's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want it to be about me. The podcast is its own thing, and people I want people to identify with like the, what our values are, which is transparency and ownership and accountability to you know what we did and how we did it. But then not have it be like Southwestern's awesome, but also not have it be like Southwestern sucks because in a lot of ways both of those statements are true. So it's not really about the company. It's just about the fact that, hey, we, there's this thing we all did together. And it's definitely weird, but it's cool to hang out and reminisce together. And it's yeah. always fun to, to recreate that night in Portland with Will. It's always good to have, have but, friends to do stuff for. Yeah, and book people, are, yeah, book people are a fun way to connect. But all that, for the re- so why that? Well, because I think it would be sweet if when shit hits the fan or... Um, we have different things going on in the world. There was that earthquake in uh, Japan, or there was there's the situation in the Middle East, or there's the attacks in the Ukraine, or maybe it's more local. Maybe like one of the alumni lost their spouse, and for whatever reason they don't have, you know, the funds to bury them, or something, anything local in your community that we can kind of serve as a as a as a force of nature to for the good, right? So we're gonna. We're going to figure out a way to donate to the Red Cross for this hurricane relief. So what we're going to do this month is, 
you know, Pat's org versus Steve's org, Border Wars, and we're going to try to collect and raise as much money this month by doing this or by doing a charity event or whatever. And then all the money that we collect, none of it goes to ponytails, but it goes to the Red Cross or to the Salvation Army or whatever. That'd be cool. So I don't know. There's different things like that. Also, I think it'd be cool to do alumni recognition. So like almost like a GRS or the Freddies, but for alumni. So we, every year we vote, like you, everybody, somebody gets nominated or someone nominates you. Or you nominate yourself for like, hey, I want to submit for like alumni of the year award and rookie alumni of the year award. It's like, I just got done selling books and this is the first thing I did and here's why, you know, philanthropist of the year award, biggest growth of the year award, um, any anything yeah, like that. Different and have like, accolades. like, whether it's just a virtual award that we give out and it's all like everybody tune, tunes into like a live broadcast and we give it out or we actually like try to get like, we do it like a Bizzler, for example, and that's how people gather. I don't know. The, the ideas are open. But my goal is to have it to, to, to turn the creativity and the future of the show to, over to the alumni that are then gathered. So gather them first and then give them the ability to be like to, to choose what the podcast becomes. Whether it be something as technical like make the episode shorter or divide them up into twos or release them once a week instead of twice or release them every day. Podcasting stuff. This is the t-shirt, whatever, that we should have. To more like outwardly things, like actually have like a chair of the alumni association, and have like it be an independent association of alumni that actually is doing things and providing opportunities, career opportunities, providing couches to sleep on, uh, providing. I mean, just have it be a thing where it's like this is an organization and it's legitimate and it's and it's recognized among most alumni uh, that still books whether they loved or hated Southwestern. It's not important. This is a place so that people like Grace Westfall don't have the situation that they had. You know what I mean? Um, which, and that's not a dig at Shane, but that's just more like the product of the system that exists right now for alumni through Southwestern. Yeah. And is that critical or of Southwestern? Of. Yeah, it is. But that's okay because no company's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah. yeah. And again, everyone is. back to what I said at the beginning. Glad they're working on it. Glad it's improving. Well, I mean, like, every company is working on... Yeah. I mean, hopefully they are. Yeah, hopefully they are. Being, being better. But I think they have bigger fish to fry than worry about the alumni, so I also understand. Yeah. Like, keeping college kids motivated to sell books. Sell books. Because that's where the revenue comes from. And so, a lot of them. By, which, by the way, I understand, because I was in it at a point, so I get what the mentality is. It's just that you don't really understand it or understand it until after you leave, and you're like, oh, this is what it's like to be an alumni. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like... Not the rosy colored picture camera that we got when we were at the info. Yeah, and I mean, to play devil's advocate, I mean, although th- th- this job is very different than like most jobs, and they definitely do like play up the benefits of being an alumni more than probably most jobs. Yeah. Most jobs, when you leave, you don't get anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's like, I mean, should they do more? Yes. The fact that they do anything is is honestly nice. Yeah, but like, but but you're right. Most o- inter- o- overall, I agree with you. Yeah, most internships. But no, but you raise a good point, and that's a good objection. But most internships that you go into don't won't have that. You don't go to an internship at Google, and then the alumni of the internship at Google have a really cool. That's how. So you're right. Yeah. But at the same time, what they're aiming to be like is like a fraternity. Yeah. And the way that a fraternity they, organizations they play actually up. network. 
and do that for their members, which I was never in the Greek life, but I know for a fact there's a lot of friends that I had who were, who, because they were a Sigma Chi or whatever, alumni are huge. Definitely got a huge, or like, shit, bro, I have, um, I have a Harvard hoodie that I got when I was selling in that area. Um, and I was driving, or no, I was standing waiting for tacos at a street truck in Portland. And this guy pulls over, stops, gets out of his car, works at a law office. Hands me, he looks at me and goes, did you go to Harvard? I go, no. He goes, where'd you get that hoodie? I was like, when I was at Harvard. He goes, okay. And he just talked to me. Tell me about yourself. I'm like, okay. I, so I was like, it was weird. But I told him I sold books. And he goes, here's my car. I work at the law office. I'm sure we can find a job for you if you, look, if you ever need a job. I'm like, I didn't go to law school. He goes, no matter. Just because I wore a Harvard hoodie, dude. Yeah. That's a healthy alumni association. See what I'm saying? And so, like, the minute that the uncensored page isn't needed on Facebook, that's when <laughs> That'll you be a big have, day. That's when you have a good, healthy alumni community and a good relationship to your alumni community. So, Lucy has a big mountain to climb. Yeah. And more power to her. Love Lucy. Go for it. You got to go. Plus, if anybody's going to do it, she's a badass. She can. But that said, it doesn't make it any less Everesty of the hill that she's got to climb. That we, to us, is still a challenging thing, but it's more like a, you know, steep hiking trail. It's more of a Machu Picchu climb where there's stairs. You just got to climb it. Yeah, rather than a... Because we don't come at it from, we're with the company. So that helps that steepness of our challenge lower. It's still challenging, but not. Anyway, all that to say, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. That's a good goal. Yeah. Whether, again, whether we're still doing episodes or not, no. But if if that community exists, I don't know that we need to continue doing episodes, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's more important. And, I mean, if there's a thousand episodes, solid number. Yeah, or even 500. Or even 300. Or 250. Maybe this is the last one. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you were um, here first. And last. What do you say we uh, wind the clocks back? Let's go. Let's go back to getting recruited for... So you were uh, sitting in a college food court and someone walks up and said, what are you doing this summer? How'd that go? That's not, that's not how it went down. I know. I know you know, but... That's cliche. All right. Well, when I was born, um, no. <laughs> no, I do want to get into that later. Okay. Um, why the clap back more? Unless you want to start with that. <laughs> I don't care. You're the host. Well, I was thinking of of you know the story of how you got to the, the states. Do you want to do that first or books yeah. first? I mean that story's out there, so I can go the short let's, the short version of that story. And, and let's just keep it chron- chronological, chronological while we're at it. Sure. Uh, when I was two. Um, no, uh, you were asking about when I moved to the U.S. Yeah, that, that just that story in, in brief, that I guess. One. Okay, yeah. So just so it's, out, it's, it's long it's story here. short. My dad had a construction manufacturing, construction materials manufacturing company. So basically, it was a quarry. I think is what they're called. Hmm? Made sand from mountains. There you go. Um, bad guys in Colombia. It hit the arguably good guys in Colombia by destroying an army base that was near my dad's business in the mountains. My dad helps out the government. Good guys. 
Everybody was corrupt, so it's questionable. Call them good. Uh, the good guys. Different guys. Yeah. The not not bad guys. Other bad guys. The less bad guys. And um, yeah, so we were going to get murdered. So we moved to Nebraska. First bar you go to. Just good old dart right in the middle. Um, yeah, we were poor, had no cultural awareness of American life. Um, no family, no money, no idea what the hell we were doing. And you were seven? Yeah, I was seven. All right, yeah. Oh, yeah, I turned eight that summer, or that September, and then um, started life in America. How much, do you remember, like, 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 like how much of it you understood what was going on, like, was? Yeah. I talk about this in my book, actually, in a, uh, thanks for reading it, dude. Maybe I did, and that's why I asked the question. <laughs> no. What about no to no pre-approach? Yeah, we don't do pre-approach. That's right. Good, actually, good job. Um, no, I, I do. I, I recall the whole idea of when I wrote the book and the theme that I always followed is like um, my parents never lied. My parents were always really honest with us growing up. And so, um, yeah, the... The, I understood, like, my parents were like, hey, there's some bad guys that want to hurt us. This is why we're leaving. It won't, it won't be like home. So when we came here, it was like, oh, shit. This is nuts. <laughs> it sucked. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it was hard. It was hard, man. It, people don't... Dude, we could, this could be a whole tangent. But... The way the immigration system works in this country is baffling, and it's broken. And there's so many different things that can be done to even improve it just slightly so that whether you believe in open immigration or closed immigration politically, both sides would agree, oh, yeah, that's actually, that would fix a lot of the problems. But nobody comes to me for the answers. If only. Maybe, maybe someday I'll be on Joe Rogan, and then I'll share this opinion, and then run for president, even though I can't. Because you were born woman. here. Um, but, but yeah, no, yeah. Nebraska was good. I liked it. It was nice, you know. But it wasn't. It was nice. The people were nice. I I, I should be honest. It, I mean, definitely a lot of racism. You know. Because of life of a you know conservative small town, and, relatively. And this would have been around the year two thousand. It was on two thousand year two the two zero zero zero. Oh wow! Um, Happy new millennium, huh? Dude, yeah. What a year! To, what a way to start the millennium. You know, but it, the the biggest thing I don't like about Nebraska is the weather. I was going to ask, so as, as someone who's currently living in that first winter, what was it like your first winter? Dude, that was fucking miserable. We never understood what cold. I mean, I remember the, I mean, it was, it's beautiful. Because Columbia doesn't get cold. see snow. At all. No. No, no. Like, it's, it's more, it's more south than snow. Florida. Never seen snow. Well, it was weird. So, a couple things. So, I mean, you know, uh, you grow up in a third world country. You still, American influence is still prevalent everywhere. And so, um, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, this looks like the houses. These look like our neighbor's house looked to me. It wasn't. Now, 
funny how things are bigger when you're a kid. But, <laughs> yeah. But it, it seemed like, or it looked like the house from Home Alone. Because mm. that's what we thought American life was like, is, you know, your Home Alones, your, you know, Boy Meets World. Yeah. Your, you know, your, I mean, yeah. Traditional American it's, neighborhood. That's all you know. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I don't know that I, as a little, little kid, I didn't understand the concept of like a different country until I moved here. And I was like, this is definitely not the same place <laughs> that I am from. Holy shit. This is different. Um, but then when I am living in that, it felt really whimsical all the time, even though we were super poor. I mean, I was sleeping on my parents and I, we, we were asleep. We had no beds. We were sleeping on the floor that had like, it smelled like dog piss and cat piss and, you know, just awful. And it wasn't like we could just renovate by getting new carpet. We did that later. You know, that was like one of the first signs that we were starting to move on. Um, and Saturday nights, we'd play uh, kind of like a Where's Waldo, but for our furniture. So we'd drive around in our van late at night, and people would throw shit on the street, you know, chairs and tables and stuff. Oh, there's a table. And that's how we furnished our house after, like, for the first three months. But even though that was happening, it still felt like we were in this, like in Disney World. You know, just so different. Because you're like, this is what richness is. Like, look at this house. It's the biggest house I've ever owned, you know, or seen. It's a bear to Columbia. And so, yeah. So, so that was, that was surreal to think about. But it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was nice. It was nice to live in a, in a place like that. Then as you start getting older and you start really understanding what being from a different country, what the benefits of that are. And then the deficits, deficits of that are, uh, then you start going, oh, there's more at work here than just hard work and opportunity, you know. And you start figuring out, like, oh, this is going to be sometimes a challenge for reasons that I can't control, like that are outside of my, you know, that are in someone else's control. Um, but you just deal with it. I mean, it doesn't, fuck it, that's... You're a brown man in white America. Just do, deal with it. Like, you can't change that. You can bitch about it. Or you can move on. But you don't learn that until later. But the weather sucked. The weather <laughs> sucked ass. So the first winter, uh, to get back to your question, yeah, it felt the same way. It felt like this is terrible. It's cold. It's shitty. But also, it's so new. look at this snow. And like look at the trees with snow on them. It looks like a fucking wonder. Look, look like what Narnia must have felt like. To little Lucy, is it Lucy? No, what's the name of the main character girl in? When she goes, goes through the wardrobe and ends up in yeah. Narnia, and she's like, "Oh my god!" I think it's Lucy. It's like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I even as a twenty-five-year-old man, I, I still have that similar feeling. Like whenever it dumps snow in Utah, like it feels like I'm in a winter wonderland. It feels yeah. like I'm in a Santa Claus movie. Dude, I just came up with a joke. I good thing we're recording because I can remember this. But getting to America is like going to the wardrobe. Because at first you're like, wow, this is just like the fantasy stories you hear about. And then, and then the you animals find out, and they're trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, you find out, oh shit, there's a white, wicked witch of the east. Yeah, or there's... Whatever. The, the ice witch is the one in charge. And she wants to kill you. She does not like it that you're here. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that if it is like a metaphor for something. If there's documented somewhere. Like what it's a metaphor for. I mean, C.S. Lewis, you know, it's... 
it's a, it's a story about Jesus in a lot of ways, right? The, the oh. lion died. Oh with his yeah, I've heard that. So I'm sure we can probably figure if we sat for a while, we can figure out like what each person is supposed to yeah, represent but in the biblical sample. You can see so religious. I'm sure just Google that. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a whole like creative writing course at oh yeah college. Every liberal arts school has, has done that for CS sure. Lewis. And then Lion King is Hamlet. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's exactly right. Okay. Nothing so. is new. Shakespeare gave us it all, gave us all. For yeah, he he did all the ideas. It's like the story of Jesus and then Shakespeare. Everything else has come from there. Yeah. Every com rom com and drama has been like some aspect of somebody that Shakespeare came up with, which is bananas. Yeah, I'm watching Shameless right now, and literally one of the love stories, it's 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 gay instead of straight, but it's literally Romeo and Juliet. They're from different families. I don't like each other. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Forbidden love. He was a boy, she was a girl. Even that song. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same story. No, Get original. Nothing new. Yeah, fucking be Shakespeare. Well, I'm. Where are you getting the story, Terrence? He might be. He might be. Have had a ghostwriter. That's a yeah. whole other th- yeah. conspiracy. So, well, could not even him. Maybe it wasn't even him. Maybe it wasn't him. I mean, technically, Jesus was a ghostwriter. This is a whole other. The okay. people who wrote the Bible. So how'd you, ghost writers. How'd you get recruited? Spiritual writer. Um, how did I get recruited? <laughs> All right. So what a segue. What a segue. So Steve Thiden was at the Relay for Life. My grandma died of cancer, so I'd always go to the Relay for Life, and it was at the Union, not the Union, at the Coke Pavilion in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you, it was indoor, so it was like the field that the Huskers used to practice in. So now you get this recreational field now for everyone else because they have a new practice field since, but. Um, we were just walking around doing the thing. I saw him kicking a volleyball and a soccer ball, and I was like, oh, I want to play because I'm extroverted. So I went and talked to him and made friends with him. He invited me to go play for his intramural soccer team. I did so with some buddies. We played. He conquered. And during that, he goes, hey, what are you doing this summer? What a question. What a classic. What a question to ruin someone's life. And <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, uh, how to, we were in a cult. Um, how, how to lose a guy in 10 days, right? That's right. We, um, I said nothing, but I can think of. He invites me to a thing. And it was funny because I'd actually been invited to a thing before by a guy named Jason Burgett's. When I was used to, when I was selling uh, shoes at the mall, he mm-hmm. thought I was pretty sharp, and he wanted me to recruit me to what I later found out was uh, Amway. Mm. So I'd been to like meetings like this. That before. would have ruined your life. Whoa, yeah, that'll ruin your life. That'll ruin your life. Yeah, we're not sponsored by Amway, and we don't. Want and we don't want to be. Right. <laughs> um, no offense to anybody who's in Amway. More power to you. Make the money, but just not my cup of bourbon. Cup of bourbon. Um, anyway, so yeah, you know, I told him I'd go, it was supposed to be on a Tuesday, and this is when I say messy is the reason my nephews are alive. Because I was supposed to go, but here's the thing, I didn't. You know, like a liar. (laughs) Like a (laughs) non-truther. Like a non-truther. Um... And I decided to instead watch Barcelona Chelsea Champions League second leg. Messi had a penalty kick 
would have taken him to the final, would have been their like second in a row. Um, and he hit the post and missed the greatest player of all time. What I still don't get about this story is he missed. Is knowing you, you knew the game and when it was going to be. No, I had totally spaced. Okay. I totally spaced. I didn't tell him that that, like, I, I, that was a, a total mistake by my you, part. You just forgot the game was. I forgot the game was on. And, um, yeah, we, I thought it would have gotten done in time. You don't look, you don't look, it happens. But, so, anyway, Messi, Messi misses, misses which he didn't do at the recent World Cup. No, he scored. He scored. Yeah. Growth. And, <laughs> and, um, I saw it as an omen. I'm like, he missed because he you. missed because I went back on my word because. Missed. Whatever. It's obvious. I mean, Clearly I, I don't know what else you would conjecture from that. No, yeah. Not the pressure or the human moment of error. No, but or anyway, the wind. Moving on. So I felt bad and I called Steve. And I was like, hey, man, I'm so, so, so sorry. Um, I was wondering if we could redo and and if there was another meeting I could go to if I could reschedule with you. He was like, okay, just to make sure you don't miss it this time. And I scheduled it for Thursday. Damn, dude. I was hooked. I knew I wanted to do it right away. I was like, this is awesome. We're going to New York. People get to go skydiving. And I can totally do this. The guy that's recruiting me, the Steve guy, made $17,000. And he's never done sales in his life. I can at least make 10. I didn't even want to beat him. I was like, if he can make 17, I'll make 10. That's way better than anything I'm going to do this summer. Uh, working at the shoe store again. So I was in. Um, Steve thought I, he tried to do all the parent work and stuff. I'm like, dude, I'm in. Don't worry about it. He's like, I know, but the key to this, though, is that this was like the week of finals week. Yeah. So Thursday of finals week. Yeah. Well, Thursday Thursday of dead week was when I went to the info, but then my final interview was Wednesday of finals week. Yeah. And I dressed up. The only single time I saw or met Yvette, we just, I just shook her hand. She was like doing three days stuff. before you leave. Three days before. I didn't even know when we were supposed to leave. And Steve messed up from a, Later on, as I would find out from a recruiter standpoint, and he was a B, so of course. Yeah. But he messed up in every possible way. As you do. And I, I was just Pony's still by. So. Doesn't matter. So yeah, I went to sales school, saw incredible speakers, and it was just wild to see. And it was the first time I felt like I was not um, good at something. Well, like, I, I, I've told this before in the podcast, but it's like, when you, Dan Moore has you stand up and he's like, stay standing if you're a captain of your, you know, sports team. Stay standing if you got straight A's. Stay standing if you, and he goes all through all these things that I thought were like the coolest accomplishments in my fucking life. And I look around and there's still like, every single motherfucker. every person standing still and you're like, oh, I'm not special here. Mm -mm. Um, So yeah, that was crazy. Um, Had beef with who ended up becoming my roommate, who now is one of my good friends. Uh, Josh that happens a lot. It's like I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> always happens. It always happens. Whoever you beefly selling like, books. We're gonna be friends forever. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, gosh, what a funny, funny way to live. We went to Canisteo, New York. Dude, I can tell you details. I'm sure you could. First summer, Canisteo, New York, found our HQ through a church. It was the last church available. Last service, we were laid to it. The three of us were in the black church, and we sat at the very front. And they, it was like a sermon. Like, the eagles will rise. 
and they will soar above and like it's like when Jesus walks like crazy amazing energy and this little old like 80 Rita year old lady who lived in 7 Russell County Steel um, New York she I have a place for you to stay boom nailed that down didn't charge us at all perfect living situation Rita hooked it up had a spiral staircase. It was a really cool house, like a little tower. It was just a smaller house, but it had like a spiral staircase. Went to her room, and she climbed it every day. Amazing. Um, yeah, sold in uh, the beautiful, you know, Whitesville, Wellsville, Redwood, all the Steel. Uh, you know, this incredible summer, dude. I busted it so hard. I don't know that I've ever worked that hard in my life. Sense even. I mean, no, I have, but like from a physical exertion. I mean, I was sprinting to every house. Um, I was wearing like not sh- good shoes to sprint to every house. Yeah. But I was you never are. energized, man. I was getting it. I was going at it. I don't know what drove me to it. I don't really know to this day when I look back on like why I was pushing myself so hard. But what I was, was your, uh, what did it feel like when your fist touched your first door and someone opened it? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I still can vividly see that moment. Yeah, same. It was and, a, and I first sat down. It, first. It's funny how you, like, learn. Because now I see the situation. Because I can picture it vividly, I'm like, I would know now. What an idiot knocking on that door. Well, it's one of those houses that, like, oh. is, is like, it has a front door, but that's not the door. Isn't that the... We- I mean, we could have a whole it's a two-way. episode it's a of this. Wide. Of, like, just the weirdest skills you get. One of which being... Instantly be able to tell which door they use just by looking at the house. Or or that they don't use the door. They always go in and out of the garage. Like, I feel like working in the country, fucking no one uses their front door. Nobody. They all use their back door because they just park their car in the grass and walk yeah. in. Yeah. It's almost always like from the... It, you just know. You just know. It's You see weeds. You well, see looking things. back and I'm like, oh, of course, so I knock on this door and the lady just like peeks her head through and she's like other door i was like oh shit okay so i'll go to the other side and it's this old lady gets some pre-approach she's like my my kid actually lives down the street like two or three doors down on the right side mm, that's the um, best first referral yeah funny part is that person doesn't buy until the end of week five because yeah. I always had on my pre-approach and I was coming home after it's actually I remember it was a week five because that was a week I hit 565 and I it was like a Saturday night and they were finally home and I was like oh shit like this is awesome dude that's such a good feeling the family you've been yeah. trying to catch and they were finally home and then it, it doesn't matter what time it is what's going on it's like I'm gonna knock on the I'm door. knocking on your door yeah because God it, knows it, the was, next it, was time late, it was a late appointment it was like it was I've done that. A fifty-five. Oh, I've done. And I was doing well. No, I was doing gravy in that town because I was catching up. Yeah, because you were kind of like. What happens? I I I burned through trip too fast my first three weeks because I wasn't working it tight enough. Yeah. And so then Yvette was like, "Hey, I want you to for like the next couple weeks do gravy and just clean up the towns that you like missed." Because I started figuring it out. I I think I hit like four hundred something units the week before. And so I finally started, like bust loose. So it was like week four, and I busted loose. I started two, whatever, two seventy, two fifty, two fifty, and then boom, I jumped to four hundred fifty or something. And you've had to like, oh, 
hey, now that you figured out how to work your territory tight, go back to the beginning before I give you a new town. And I was like, okay. And it was like, it wasn't the Saturday of week five, but I was towards the end of week five. And I remember going, oh my God, I remember this is the house that the lady told me to go to. My memory's like that. It's not like perfectly eidetic, but it's pretty good. And so it's pretty I was, wild. I remember thinking, oh, this is the referral that I got from the very first fucking house. And I knocked on this guy's door. I, I remember his name still. Um, and uh, he comes to the door. He goes, I go, are you the dad? He goes, yeah. I, go, I got books for your kids. Your mom told me to come like weeks ago. Did she tell you he was going to come? He was like, dude, you're the guy. I was like, yeah, dude, I was here. I've been here for five weeks. You guys are never home. He's like, yeah. Comes in. They brought it one through six. It was the quickest. Like, I was just shooting my shots, and they were. The, I honestly think I could have hit more that summer. I probably could have been number one. And this is not an excuse, just you got to marry your territory. I just, it, my territory was so spread out. I, my entire first summer, not one day that I, I mean, maybe one day I got 30 demos. Maybe. Dude, in the country, because it's... you just couldn't, like, I, I, maybe, maybe that was how I didn't do well. Maybe that's what I could have improved. Maybe that's what I needed coaching on. That's what I'm saying. It's not an excuse. Maybe I just, I wasn't good enough. It's a... But I can tell you this. I worked it harder and I knew what I was doing because I was hitting big numbers. But in my head, I'm like, I couldn't, well, I remember listening to stats at the end of the day or at the end of the week. And, like, Hannah and other people were getting, like, 190 demos a week. And I'm getting, like, 150, 120, 140. And I'm, like, and I remember thinking, I'm, like, how do you have the nah, it's time? Just... I don't even know if I've seen 30 people today, period. Yeah, you don't. Because they're so spread out. So when I, when I say I was selling to everybody, I mean that because it was, like, I mean, obviously not exactly. Like, I was getting a sit-down, like, my my sit down to demo ratio way higher was high like it was like seventeen to twenty four way sometimes. higher than than people in the yeah city. people were getting thirty demos but they were getting eight sit downs exactly it's like in my head I don't even shit sit downs are matter seventeen at bats I'll get five customers of that what I always said when I you know when I started to get less demos is like think about how many customers you get off demos compared to how many customers you get off sit downs yeah so at the end of the day what the fuck matters more like if it's you, sit downs sit downs if you're getting the sit downs, downs the demos are relevant. The, de- yeah. the, the, the purpose of the demo is to get you the sit-downs. Yes. And actually, for first years listening to this, I, this is my opinion. The, the, what matters most is sit-downs. The problem is you can't really control sit-downs because there's not direct... You can't control demos for the most part. I couldn't. Again, that's a, when they say it's a controllable, it's like, not really. Because I literally was doing everything face. I could, moving as fast as I can. And there was no... Some days, I'm telling you, I, I counted. It's like, I didn't see 30 human beings yeah like 30 calls even grandparents like i'm just talking like i did not even get 30 people who were human beings to come to the door door today yeah and i went to 150 houses yeah like i just couldn't find them yeah so which is fine so so that's why i'm saying it's like physically i was literally with what i the route i took that day i was going to the very next house like they told me Mm -hmm. so it was almost like the coaching was not quite right in a way because the importance of the 30 demos is so that, like, depending on if you were getting consistently 30 demos and you look at how many sit downs you're getting, you can see how much of the problem is your approach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's looking at, at your conversion. Yeah. So, like, for example, if you're for sure getting 30 quality demos and your sit downs are eight, what that means is your approach sucks ass. Yeah. Versus if you're getting 30, sit, 30 demos, 22 sits, but one customer, your intro sucks or your closing sucks, but yeah. it's somewhere else. In the, like, so the reason that those stats are important, which is why percentage. I'm saying first year, is still go get your 30 demos. It's even coachability. Is because it's a lot easier to manage you and coach you because you can, as an experienced person, you can tell, oh, okay, based on these stats that you're giving me, I know what we need to work on. Yeah. If you're getting 20 sit downs and you're getting, uh, you know, one sale, 
your intro or your close suck ass. Yeah. But I know it's not your approach because you're sitting down 20 times. So we don't even have to waste time on like, what are you saying at the door? That doesn't fucking matter. Keep doing that. Just what are you saying when you sit down? You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's why it's important to go get your 30 demos so, before I get. Yeah. Also, the first year is how I describe it. Because like the thing is, there are student leaders. There are, there are plenty of high producing student leaders that don't get their demos. That's just a yeah. thing. And it's tough because it's like you don't want to lie to first years, but you're not you are not gonna get their demos if 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 that's how you sell. So the way yeah. I, the way I describe it of like how someone could be honest but just like still have it make sense. First years don't know how to, don't know how to sell shit. Yeah, they know nothing. Yep, yeah. they are purely just working the numbers. And so it's, it's, it's like your first time playing baseball. You want to swing that bat as many fucking times as yep. you can because you're only going to hit a couple. Yeah. And that's what the demos are. It's just swing your bat as many fucking times yeah. as you can. Because you're new. Because you are so bad, you're only going to hit it a few times. Yeah. And that's the easiest way to measure your level of effort and your Com- quality of everyone. Compared to a fourth, fifth, sixth summer you know, salesperson who's actually figured out a few things about sales, they can take their time, you know, measure up, get a fastball and knock it out of the park a lot more consistently. Yeah. So they're going to take more time with each customer because they're going to sell bigger packages to a few less customers or to a few more sit- uh, less sit downs, whatever. Yeah. And they're going to sell more because yeah. of that. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense for them to just like rapid fire everyone because that's not like getting the juice out of what they're good at. Well, but it depends, right? So this is where you get like someone like Dustin Hillis. It depends like, how you sell. Yeah, yeah. Like Dustin Hillis, for example, he was sending big packages. So it doesn't matter if he's spending an hour with the customer because if you're going to get, you know, 120 exactly. minutes out of each sit down, fucking go for it. Exactly. Whereas Dave Brown, it's like you sold a thousand customers, you, different way to skin the cat, sold almost the exact same amount of units. But he sold a thousand customers. That means he had to have a, that many more sit downs, right? Or at the yeah, very least, close that many more people sit per sit down. Or, and so it's or like, a demo, yeah. so in his case, it actually, because the numbers are the numbers, then you have to be like, dude, I got 10 minutes. Are you in or you're out? Cool. Yeah. You in or you're out? Good. But those people can get away with that because, and again, this is going back before I get some DSM yelling at me because you know, I'm telling people that they have 30 demos. You got to hit your 30 demos again. So, the, so, you can the, so we can it. coach you so you can get coached on where you're fucking up yeah yeah it, it, it's 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 that simple you can't it, like you, you mentioned the baseball approach it's like i don't know what's wrong with your swing until i see you swing 20 times and then if the, uh, 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 180 a thousand times, times 180 times a week and then those 180 times you're hitting the ball 20 times a week, that means your eye is good. You're making good contact. Now we got to tweak your wrists. Yeah. Or your. Is it a home run or yeah. is it, yeah. is it your first, go, going to first? Yeah. It's like now we, but you're hitting. So based on the number of hits, you're getting based on the number of contacts with the ball versus the number of swings, based on the number of hits to those contacts and then home runs to those contacts. Like now we start figuring out, oh, you need more power. But you don't know any of that unless you take those thousand swings. And then as a side benefit, those thousand swings. You're gonna get better faster than yes. you swung a hundred yeah. times. I would say that you're not gonna be good at selling books. Even the most talented person wouldn't be good at selling a lot of books until they've at least talked to human contact, grandpa or not, at least five hundred people. It just takes fucking time. At least five hundred people. Even the most talented person, right? 
Those are just demos, which means at the very least it's a, it's three weeks of actual getting 30 demos. Crazy. Weird. And that's like if you're talented. For, Some people are not super weeks. talented. Crazy. Some people have longer to go. So it's like maybe for that person, the number is a thousand people. But there's somewhere along the line of hitting a thousand episodes, like we were talking about at the very beginning. Somewhere along there, you start getting less scared of knocking on a door. So that aspect of it is removed. You get less scared of talking to a person at the door. So that aspect is get removed. Get better at handling objections. You get better, you get better at handling objections. You get better at uh, going on tangents and you sit down. Saying the right words. You get better at like showing the books. And so slowly from all the Finding reps. needs. The things that you're scared of at the first Easy door names. are gone, yeah. and there's next level of things you got to take care of. But you can't get to that until you've done you've it a shit ton of times. You've earned it. You yeah. get, nobody's gonna go out in the first week and hit a thousand units unless they get like super lucky and like some mom buys seventeen sets, and then you're. Which, I'm talking about like, be fun. Yeah, but I'm talking about like. That's never happened. No, nobody's hit more in the first week of the first summer, ever, and if that ever happens, that'd be insane. Yeah. But, but that would be something where it's like someone prepped them from like a long time ago or they used to be in door-to-door or some other place. Maybe. Yeah, it's like maybe. not, but it's like if not you're just, a freshman if in college. It's like you've never done door-to-door and you're a freshman in college and this is your first introduction to Southwest. It's not happening. You're not hitting more in your first week. So shut up. Go hit, get your 30 demos. Go hit 500 units in a week and then we can talk about how you can improve. Until you do that, do what they tell you. Period. That's absolutely. That being said, I, that's what I'm saying. If I either had more time or like, or had more a populated area or something like that, like I would have definitely hit much bigger numbers because that's what I mean by I was selling to everybody. Like I would have five customers in a day sometimes and it was like, it was the last five people I saw, period. It was rare that I would get into a door that didn't buy, but it was because it was rare that I would get into a door, period, because I would just be now seeing people. I had days where I had like 18, 15 demos. I think it's hard to say Cause like my first two and, and, and part of my third summer, I was selling populated areas and I wasn't doing well. And, you know, obviously I can't say this is the reason, but I think part of it just coincidentally, and in my third summer, my fourth summer, I, I sold country and, th- and that's when I popped off. And obviously it wasn't just that. I'm not saying you're going to sell more books in country. But I think it was a combination. So I don't, I don't, I mean, if, if, if I were to go out and sell and they were like, Hey, what turf do you want for you personally to Nebraska. sell a lot of books? I would, I, I don't mean state, but like type, type of turf, I would, oh. I would take, you know, small town country. Oh yeah. I'll take, I will go to the small towns in Nebraska, you know, your McCooks, your Holdridges, even Grand Allen's too big. It's got 50,000 people. You, oh, you that's want like your, giant. You no. Want like, you, want, you, want, you want your like 10,000. No, I like, like 1,000. Right, but you want them close together because then you get spread out for the summer. I'm talking about like if you had a 5,000 person, 5,000 people town and like a good farm area in the outside. Yeah. Gold. Cooking. You're, I mean, that's cooking. And it's like middle income. Dude, I You're had. Cooking. You're cooking. Just, I'm going to say this quick because I don't want to get into this about my summers, but my last summer. I, I sold in, I think, four 1,000-person towns. Beautiful. Yeah. And then my last town was a 5,000-person town. I I was only there, though, for like a week. And just in that one week, I mean... Crushing. Everyone knew me. Yeah. And I couldn't even scratch the 5,000. Because like each 1,000-person town took me two, two and yeah. a half weeks. If you're working it right, it should be about... Anywhere from one 
to two weeks per thousand people, depending on yeah, how I got, out there. I one thing I don't claim to have gotten very good at many things selling books, but one thing I did get very good at was working tight. Yeah, if you're working it tight, it would be. I mean, it was it was yeah. it, it was about two weeks per thousand. Especially per when you're doing it right, because really at that point you're really not getting all the demos. You're you're literally spending thirty minutes per sit down, but you're sitting down with everybody. Yeah, yeah. sitting with everyone, and well, and a lot of them are buying. And I mean, I'm not trying to say I would have beat Hannah. I guess I should refract, re, 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 clarify. I don't know that I would have or not. I'm just saying that I would have sold probably at least another fifty percent more than I did because. And the only reason I'm saying that is because the difference between when I sold 400, 400 and 500 versus when I hit 650 or 6 whatever 30 and 700 were like the big biggest weeks mm-hmm. I had. The only thing that changed was the amount of people I was seeing the day because I was getting the way that they told me to work was obviously you start in the outside of a town and then you work your way in. But I worked like Wellsville was the biggest town I sold in, but like Whitesville was a tiny little town and it was the main strip of that town. That's when I hit 400 units, 450. And and then that's also the end of that and the beginning of the next Wellsville town is when I hit 500. So, like, I was transitioning between the two towns. But I'm only saying that is because it was finally, like, I had been working the outskirts of Whitesville for a long time in all these little, like, 500-person towns in New York. And I finally got to Whitesville, which is, I think, about 1,000. And I that was the week that I got to Six. the main strip yeah. of the town. So now it's like I have all these names. And it was the first, like, the closest I ever got to 30 demos a day was when I was hit. At that point, because I was like, oh, I got 27 demos today, 26 demos today. But I wasn't getting coached to get more demos by the person that was doing my PCs because keep, I was hitting keep doing 500 doing, units. So they were like, dude, whatever you're doing, do that. The only tweak I got that this was the only other thing that changed besides I was seeing more people. And this is also probably, yeah, was uh, I upped my packet size. So instead yeah. of showing one through four, I was showing one through five or six if they had honor students or not. Yeah. And so that was the first time. When I hit 700, that was the biggest change. But like all of that to say, like it was, I it, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, there were several times, like I, the Monday of the week I hit PC, I had eight customers and hit 275 units. And I remember that was when I finished out uh, the outskirts of Wellsville. Wait, real quick. Because I was, I was going to ask about, I think th- this day, was that the day where you had like eight calls and eight customers for that much, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, and I spent the whole day and then on the main strip of Whitesville. On your stat call, instead of being like, "Why don't you get their demos?" He was like, "Do it again." Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Which is which is the correct coaching for that. Yeah, because because what happened is I remember going, I I did my stats. Oh, that was a weird. I'm, I'll never forget this day. This is a crazy dude. Day. The day your Same best thing for my best day. Units is wild, man. So weird. You're just like, what happened today? And, like, so and weird. Like, this is why I say like, like, I don't like, know that I could have beat Hannah what was because different? some of it was luck. What Nothing. was different about this day? I mean, people were home. I don't know if it was because it was a dude. Maybe it was like a weird holiday where everybody was so like, weird. For example, for me in the country where I was working, it was low income, which people are like, that's an excuse. No, no, no. low income is fine. You just have more that, customers. What that means is both parents work because mm. they, so like your first three goal periods of the day. It's just getting pre-approach. I mean, if I had six demos by noon, that would be... I mean, people are like, try to get five demos a goal period. I'm like, how? Nobody's home. Nobody's home. It's just grandparents. And I'm not going to count that. Like, I, Also, I was pretty a good... stick. I mean, this is helpful for me and ultimately a good thing, but I was pretty picky about what I actually called a demo. As you should be. 
Because people call demos demos, and I'm like, that wasn't a demo. No. Uh, so I was really, like, I had to show two sections of the book. I was really coachable in that. So maybe there would have been 15 demos to somebody else by noon. But for me, it was like there were six people that could have bought the books that were not grandparents, that's specific, that I actually showed the books to, that I tried to trial close or sit down again, and then they said no. Those were six people. So, like, if I had six people by noon, I would be, I mean, I'm like, I remember thinking, like, there was a thing in my Over head where, like, if I have 10 people by noon, I'm, because that means I usually have two sit-downs and maybe I'd have one customer. Soaring. So, on this day when I had eight customers, by noon, I had three sit-downs, three, three customers. customers. And I was spending the time with them. That's a good I, feeling. Yeah. And I was spending my time with them because it was, like, some of those sit-downs were, like, an hour and a half. One of them was an hour and a half because it was the bag. I had sold the bag. So the first first sit down I had was seven forty five. I sat down with this lady. She's a nurse. She was in a, she had to get to work by nine. So seven forty five. So it's actually good. I showed up early. She bought the one to three, and I was like, well, "Let's go." And then I went to the next house. Nobody's home. Next house. Nobody's home. Next house. Nobody's home. And I remember going, "Huh." I remember this lady. And the cars are there finally, for whatever fucking reason. It was her day off. And I of course get it was. There, knock on the door. It was a modern daughter. They have daughters. It was a mixture of like three generations together. They bought the bag. But I spent an hour and a half because they were trying to figure... It was like, whatever. They were trying to figure out what to buy. Let me ask you, because I, I only uh, sold one bag in uh, my career. And uh, I don't know if, 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 if... I mean, it just felt different when I sat down. It's almost like I knew. It was just like a combination of like... Yeah. The, they have the ages. They're cool. And I know based on the job they have, they can buy it. They can buy it, yeah. And so, like, because sometimes, sometimes I feel like I would be showing a lot, and I was like, yeah, this is nice that I'm showing a lot, but, like, there's no way they're going to buy it. My one bag, I was showing it, and I was like, dude, I'm going to show everything, because I just, for some reason, I just know whatever I show them, they're going to buy. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. I mean, there's, there's people you're like... And again, this goes back to after, because you've done so many reps, you get to a point where you know you just pick up on who those cues. people are going to be. Yeah. So there's people who, I've sold like, I think five or six bags in my career. Three of them were my first summer. And the, the first bag I sold that Monday, I didn't, that was not the case. Because it was weird because it was, there was like, it was a different family structure. So it was a grandma, she had three daughters. Mm. One of the daughters had kids already, and they were all living together. None of the dads lived in the house. They were mm, like, wow. So you had a, I did have the spread of ages because the, the matriarch mom had the, sister, the daughter with the kids, the oldest daughter who was already out of college. But then she also had younger daughters who were still in high school. So that's where like the black books came in. But then the oldest daughter had granddaughters to the grandma who were like infants. Yeah. So what happened is I show up and I'm like, shit, I got a mixture of ages, but I also technically have two families here. We yeah. have one mom that has like young, young two kids potential customers. and one mom that has high schoolers. High schoolers. And so I was, it really, what it, what it really was is was two customers that bought the entire kid set. In one then, house. And then another, in the same house, they bought the entire, uh, you know, big kid set with the CDs. Everything I knew we could sell, they bought. That counts. I literally remember thinking, oh, you guys got everything. So I, Yvette told me this. I just flipped the bag over and I dropped all of my sample books. And this was before they had the one sample book for the kids' books. There was like, we had a, oh, yeah. we had a sample book I heard about each, this. We had a sample book for each That's of horrible. the little kids' books. It was fucking insane. That's just rude. Yeah, it was rude. So I flipped them over and just a pile of books comes out. And I'm like, let's see what you guys want. And they, it, the close was, 
who, what are we getting? Because it was literally like, oh shit, like how do I close this? I'm doing two set downs at the same time. And finally I got the idea. I was like, what if you get all the black books and then you get all the kids books? And they looked at each other and they were like, and I'm like, what about the CDs? And they're like, okay, throw those in. And I was like, cool. And they bought the bag. So what, like that, it wasn't that, like what you're saying. However, my second bag of the summer, it was that way. Because as soon as I came indoors, I was like, oh. You just know. Isn't and it you're weird? Like, well, how old are your kids? And they're like, well, the youngest is two, three or something. And then the oldest is like eighth grade. I think it's just so rare. Like, I mean, you're it's... You're going to buy everything. It, it, it's like pretty rare big name. that you the green just run green into green a family with like the perfect ages. Yeah. But sometimes like, oh, I guess I get someone back. But sometimes it's like, oh, you have a preschooler? Yeah. One in middle school and one... Getting ready for like yeah. ACTs, but even better, dude. Even better though is that kind of family is the kind of family that has a power name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because they have names for all name. the schools. Yeah. So those people. This is actually one of my biggest customers. I mean, they bought the bag, but the reason that they were the most valuable customers, and I'll never forget this, is they were so chill. Like, is you know, because you know, like again, when you meet that kind of person, you're like, oh, 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 oh. just you're. It, this is not a question of if you're gonna buy. It wasn't that the minute that I said hello to you. Very obvious. And anybody that sold a bag or like that sold a decent amount of books knows. Has had these families. Yeah. Um, But, and even people who didn't sell that many books but like has met these families, you're like, oh, this is a pony. Um, They had a giant trucking business. And it was family owned. But this particular house was the oldest brother who created the company. The brother, there was three brothers. The other brother managed the logging operation that they then created because of the investment. And then the youngest brother was kind of like the uh, marketing person for all of them. So everybody knew these three brothers. It was like, and this is Greenwood, New York. And it was like, I think it was Greenwood, Greenville, Green something. Um, and I knew I was talking to the, I, everybody had mentioned them. So by the time I got there, I knew I was talking to the older sibling, and it was like, dude, you are the people that I've been looking for, and they bought everything. I need, I was like, even if you get a cookbook, I need to get your name on my sheet. But the fact that they bought everything was like... That's a good... Uh, and I told them, I was like... That's you a good ad. I told them then, I knew, I was like, listen, just so you know, you know how I was mentioning so-and-so's name? Yeah, I'm going to be using you guys' name all summer, just know that. Like I, it was. I was feeling so confident, dude. So, yeah, and dude. It's like, when you they like you, and they're like they just love. They're like, ah, yeah. You tell people we sent you. When you, I, I, I think this is a good, a good um, like closer on the on this topic. But um, I this one family. They must have been referred to me six times, and obviously, could never fucking catch them. Yeah, it's impossible. Um, and their name was The Buyers. You need to give them a book for free just to get them on your... And list. and just ever said there was a cool... I couldn't catch them. One day, I, I'd already moved off from that town. Never caught them. One day, I'm working in this new town, but the uh, the town fair is going on, so for anyone that's sold in the country, no one's home. No one's home. And so I was like, fuck this. I go back to my old town to work gravy. I, I'm driving by their house. I'm like, fuck it. Let's see if they're, if they're home. They're home. Cash. S- sit down with the mom on the porch. Kids inside. Dad not home. Kids didn't come out. 
Dad wasn't home. You just know. Buys a platinum. Yeah. Which is whatever. Like $1,400 worth of, of books. And it's just like... The feeling of a family that you really want to buy buying is otherworldly. It's just simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, so I guess what did the, you know, in brief, the rest of that summer look like and those other summers? Yeah. No, I mean, it was crazy. I got asked to come back in the fifth week. I was the first person. I hit the pace setter. It was, uh, it was the best and worst thing that happened to me, I think, in my life, maybe. I got too cocky. Wow. It was too much. I didn't know how to handle. I think one of the things they don't teach you really well in Southwestern, despite what you might think, is how to handle when you do well. Because oh, no, they coach, I, I agree with that for sure. They coach you on how to do well, but then they don't coach you on how to cope with the attention, they, the love, the admiration, the recognition that you inevitably get. Because, and again, I wasn't top first year, but it was like, I wasn't number one first year, but people knew who I was. Yeah. Chris Salata came talking to me. I remember I talked to another podcast about that about how that was a big deal to me because he was like the goat at the time, you know? Yeah. So um, nobody taught me. It's like, hey, you did well. Here's how to handle humility. And it's it, it's weird because they almost like, I mean, at least if you're doing like not well, they know how to coach you on how to be not doing well. Like don't compare yourself. Yeah. You know, the emotional management get better. of yeah, yeah. doing shitty. But both before and after, yeah, they don't teach you anything about, about if, if, if you're, like, famous. Yeah. Which is funny. I remember at, at a check-in after my last summer, you know, where I, I had done well, at the very least compared to what I used to do. And it felt like almost every person I saw was like, hey, how about your summer? Great summer. But, like, like almost like I was, like, famous for it because I, yeah. like, went, like, such a big jump. And I literally said to Emma Barnett, I was like, I'm honestly kind of glad I had the shitty summers to like kind of get my ego in check before having a great summer and getting attention for it. Because I think the the maturity and cognizance I had allowed me to like not get a big head from that. Yeah. Where I think if, if I had all that attention after my first summer, oh my God. It was not good for me. And I, and I talked about this in another episode, but people might not go listen to it, so I'll just say it here. But, oh, again, going into the summer, I stood up and everybody in the auditorium was standing with me. But this time, mm-hmm. those same people in the auditorium, first of all, most of them, well, not most of them, a good chunk of them weren't even there anymore. They quit. And then of the rest of them, eight others could stay standing out of 1,200 Right, and of those, even of those eight others, nobody knew who they were because they hadn't hit the pace setter. There was a point where I was the number one. I was going, and then I just had a really shitty finish. I didn't like finish as strong, new turf, whatever you want to, weak-minded for closing, whatever. I'll own it, whatever. My best weeks in the summer were definitely in the middle. Honestly, it was mom and dad's week that were my best, and I think that there was more emotional attachment Always. due to the history of my life Always. for my parents because yeah. of that. Well, like I think if mom and dad's week were at the end of the summer, I would have hit guts club. Maybe. Who knows? But I would like to think so because that was when I was the most emotionally driven to do it for my parents. All that being said, I'm still standing there and even though those eight, only like two or three of those people knew what it was like to be on the pace setter 
and to have a target on your back because you were the person that people were like, I got to catch that motherfucker. And they did. Eight of them did. <laughs> you know, the other 140 of them did Didn't. not. And that's fine. I'm happy with where I landed. I'm proud of what I did. But what's weird is when you're back at the company at checkout and people are stopping you and asking you about how you did. And it's like managers. And it's like, how do I... So if I was already cocky going into the summer thinking I was hot shit because I was this cool guy and all of a sudden I was the top of those people, holy shit, my ego just went through the roof. And anybody that's known me since then would probably agree 100%. I'm not saying I'm any... I would like to think I've gotten better at my cockiness. I think so, hopefully. But I was. it's hard to imagine that I haven't given how unbelievably douchey and cocky I might have appeared or come off as or actually was at the time, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so on the other hand, it was the best thing to happen to me because I had proven to myself because my emotional driver throughout the summer after the money and all that stuff, when I started really digging deep at sales school for it was everything up to this point in my life um, was impressive from a, because people kept telling me it's impressive that you made it as an immigrant or that you had heart surgery and then you survived and all this. But none of the stuff I chose for myself, it was, I just dealt, to me that was normal because that's what I dealt with. But this was the first thing that I'm like, this is hard. I'm choosing this to be hard and I'm going to succeed at it. And so like, it was the first sucky thing that I chose to do that I still came out on top of. And so it's like, all I do is win, baby. And this one feels real because I picked this for myself and then I did this. Mm. So yeah, you know, um, the good side of that is my belief barriers went through the roof. So who, I, what I thought I could achieve, what I could, thought I could become, which in some ways I did, in some ways I didn't, you know, uh, the good parts of that confidence still shine through today, despite having eight shit, you know, summers three and four, um, or really even two going forward. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to know that I did well, that I was like at the top of something that most people weren't. I mean, I beat a lot of managers even that summer, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, it was a cool feeling. Yeah. And then, uh, so you got approached early on, so you knew you were coming back the whole time. Yeah, at that point, it was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I knew I was going to do this at least through college. Through college, yeah. Because I was like, oh, hell yeah. There's no way I'm not doing it. I mean, why would I go back to the shoe store? Yeah. That sucked. And so you did two more summers took a summer off and then came back to three more summers. Yeah. I did three. I did four total. Yeah. So how did those other three go? Well, my third and fourth, I was severely off schedule, whether physically or mentally one of each. Um, my fourth summer, I was basically going until I found a customer. So if it was a Mufu, cool. And then I'd go to the movies or I'd just hang out or, or I'd still go do the job, but it wasn't like, the pressure of not being a zero day was gone. So then I'd be like, I don't really give a shit. So, you know, I'd spend longer at sit downs. I was still going to the next door. I was in the third summer. I was like the most soft schedule I ever was. But, um, uh, it all, it got derailed my second summer when I got kicked out of a town. It was the first time that I ate shit real bad. And it was like day two and I got pulled over. Or I got the cops came shut up during a sit down that I was having on the porch. My PR went to hell. And the chief of police told me that if I got another phone call about me again, that he was going to throw me in jail. I called Yvette, like, scared. Because, you know, the part of me that I was, like, dealing with cops growing up hasn't always been the most fun experience as a Hispanic male in, in a conservative country or, you know, state. And even though I was in 
rural Boston, outskirts of Boston, it's and it's Massachusetts it tends to be more liberal state. It still was not a good feeling when this white, you know, chief of police looking at me with his rosy cheeks like with serious contempt on his face going, I'm going to have a pleasure of throwing you in jail, you outsider. And even if it wasn't because I was brown, just because I was out from out of state, Massachusetts yeah. is very, like, Proud. there's a certain culture there. And so I told Yvette, I'm like, Yvette, there's no way someone's not going to call the cops on me in the next the the couple days before the end, you know, but by the end of the week. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm selling in big break. This is new because before I was low income. Big breaks that was different, with, yeah. which was comfortable, but like more like I'm I'm a Hispanic male from with out of state plates driving a car that does not look nice. Look nice in this neighborhood that's full of Mercedes Benz and you know Ferraris or whatever in the driveways. I'm gonna stake out. People are going to get sketched out, and even if they're not doing it because I'm brown, they're gonna do it because I'm from Nebraska. They're gonna do it because I don't look like I'm from here. They're gonna look. They're gonna do it because I don't. Because they know I'm in sales even. Like, you know how that is. So I got kicked out of a turf. And I ate shit for that. And I knew who called me. It was a guy that I knocked on the door at like 9.30. I had no problem knocking on his door at 9.30. I had a kid following me. So I was like, I was trying to show him the ropes. But it rattled me. It rattled me that he he came out. He was wearing like... Uh, There's this is a funny story attached to it. But long story short, I knew he was a guy. And I mouthed off to him because I was trying to be cocky. I was cocky and got the cops calls. So it was all on me. But there was this like this oh, every time I would knock at 9.30 and going forward it would be like a soft knock which is the first time I'd ever done it that way. Yeah. Because before in the country nobody called the cops on you when you knocked at 9.30. They just either came out with a gun or they let you inside. There was like... Yeah, you're you're knocking hoping they don't hear it or yeah, don't answer. That that going forward the rest of the summer. Unless I had an appointment. Which then I got good at getting appointments, so that's kind of what saved me that summer. Is I was knocking late because I was good at getting appointments. Yeah, the, I should have not come back after that. I mean, I hit PC. That was a whole. I tried it a whole different way because I was selling big breaks. So then I approached differently, where I did it by a, a shopping cart. That that that's my PC again. And it was. I don't know, I've told this story before, but there was like when I checked into the town, tiny little town. I checked into the town, and the lady at the town clerk, she was like. There's uh, 45 households that have families, that have kids, and I sold to 42 of them by the end of the week. Yeah. And I was like... It's a great story. Crushed it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I destroyed this town. So, um, it was cool. And that's the when I did the lift, lift, the lift bet with the yeah. guy that bought the books. Like, you've heard that story, but, like, I had never done it before. Before, I had package sizes. Everybody's getting one through four, one through six. Here, it was like, whatever you want to shop, Mrs. Jones. I found out that there was a different way to, to, to sell the books, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot about it. The skills I went up on, my mentality did not go up on, and I ate shit. So then my third summer, way off schedule. Um, there was a lot of other uh, uh, new things about it. Um, didn't find an HQ until week five, so I was literally mm. staying with a new family every two to three days, and they were all customers. Jeez. For fucking, until week five. Monday of week five was the first time I left the HQ with a permanent HQ. And I had to get transferred to a different part of town or of the state because the girls that were at that, there was a first year HQ and they all quit. Yeah. And so, and there were girls and so they took us in. That was Lisa Christensen. Great. And and to be fair, I was way off schedule that summer, but I also had, that was the hardest summer I ever had. The first summer I had car problems. It was the first summer that um, I was involved with somebody romantically. 
that and then we had who sold books and yeah. she was selling and it went sour in the middle of the summer so I was kind of dealing with like a breakup slash kind of not a breakup it was like weird yeah um and then it was also the first summer that I didn't have an HQ to like so that was like it's it's yeah nobody's gonna sell 10,000 units when they don't find their HQ HQ at week five yeah no, let that's, alone. that's just yeah shit. and then there was also uh uh, and again, people are gonna be like, "Those are excuses." But I mean, I'm just saying, maybe they are. But, but just to me, at the time, that was the first time I had to do. Like, it all hit the fan at the same time. My first summer, not a single car problem until the end of the deliveries. My brakes went out. My fucking HQ lady, Rita, was like, "You can just borrow my brand new 2012 truck," which at the time was brand new. Yeah. And I took her truck to deliver, and it during the mountains. I mean, a truck to deliver when you sold in a car the rest of the summer. Dream. It's just a, the best thing that could happen. Yeah. So even my car troubles ended up like luckily. Right? No, but this was like, no, my starter went out. It was like 1200 bucks or whatever. Some other stuff went out to fix. Like, my key knob broke, and that's like another $300 to fix. I had to get towed back to the HQ. Like, a bunch of shit went wrong. Plus, I was off schedule. So, of course, I went from 3500 my second summer to like 700 I, Actually, to be full transparent, I don't even know how much it was. And if it was more than 1,000 units that I sold that summer, it would have been impressive. Yeah. Um, given how much off schedule and other shit on top. I got, at first time I, was, I spent a night in the hospital that summer. Like shit like that where it's like, this has never happened to me. And on top of that, I already have a shitty attitude. So it's like all spiraling down. Yeah. My parents were finally finalizing their divorce. And it was like, you know, it was just like when I called home that summer and it was my mom on the phone going, hey, I'm done with the checkout out of the company, $1,000. I'm going home. And she's like, don't go to the house because your dad and I just sold it. Because we're divorced now. And I knew that was coming. So, like, all this stuff, like, it was, like, the craziest, shittiest year of my life, pretty much. Or three three years, really, of my life. All, like, everything just hit all at once. When it rains, it pours. You know? And you're like, oh, okay. So, I, but I needed that. Because I said my ego, something needed to give for my ego to just, like, really touch grass again. You know? And so... I'm glad that those years happened. I'm glad. I'm proud to say I was off schedule. I really, I mean, it sounds crazy to any book person here maybe, but I am proud because those were all experiences that I needed to have to become who I was today. And so, and I'm proud of who I am today. So good. I'm, I'm proud that I was off schedule. I'm proud that I learned that lesson. And honestly, my fourth summer, I was still hitting, like, I was still selling platies when I wanted to. So like, I, I, I shouldn't come back after my second and I definitely shouldn't come back after my third. Mark Rao talked me into it. It's a whole, that's a whole story that I might be for Bizzler because I might end up talking shit about some people. Um, and so um, I shouldn't have come back, but I was there. But it was good. Some days I'd be like, let's just see if I still got it. And I would just go 140 units and then zero, 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 zero. You know? But it was just like, ah, oh, yeah. I still got it. I can still do this if I wanted to. If I, I can still, I still know what it's like to sit down with a pony. I just, I don't want to. Um, and then after that summer, I was like, very early into the first week of that summer, I was like, oh, first week. Of- yeah, because again, that was another one where we didn't have an HQ until like week three in that case. Um, I had first years who were having, the two first years that were staying with me, both were really off schedule and they were both like PR issues. So we had to move 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 um yeah i had one i actually recruited the number one kid of lincoln from nebraska from the force that summer myself so like i still was doing relatively 
okay. Yeah. But to me, relative to me, like garbage, you know. So but that was it. And then I stopped selling books. When did insurance for a couple of years, did solar for a year and a half. And then we were back to the pandy. Planet Tales was born. And thus now I am doing podcast consulting. So if you have a business and you want a podcast, we'll produce it for you. And, and we, we're damn good at it. And we are sponsored by him. And we are sponsored. We're not sponsored by Andres Gamboa, but we are sponsored by Ponytails Podcast. Given the fact that this is the Ponytails Podcast. This is. Um, cool. So that concludes the Southwestern career. That's it. Um, I guess we can, I mean, you've talked about it a lot. We can transition into the final question. I really had one one question that I wanted to talk about. Are you also going to do rapid fire or are you skipping it? Do you want that? No, it's your call. This is your hosting. I don't know. I don't know them, but, but I do. Oh, want... I can I can pull them up if you want. Yeah. Do you want to ask me those or no? No, you. Because I ask everybody these, but I never actually. Yeah, let's do them. You know what? Yeah, I'm... let's do them. Let's do them. I'll, let's do them. I'll, I'll pull them up. I'll pull them up. But ask what you were gonna ask though. Sorry. Um. And then we can get into the rapid fire and the ponytails, but um. Like you said earlier, and, and something I've I've noticed longer I've known you, is you are incredibly good at, at making friends and talking to people uh, just like out out in the world. Uh, and I think, and, and it's interesting because it's almost like, I don't know, more or like different than how most like book kids are. So I don't think you got it from selling books, especially since you already were pretty good at talking to people your first week. So I guess, like, where do you feel like that that comes from? Because I feel like when someone sells, you know, almost 300 units their their first week ever doing this, there's got to be something that they have that kind of sets them apart for that reason. So you're asking, like, how connected people, how, like, what my approach is to connect with people? No, it's like... Like, why do you think you both are like are so good at that and enjoy it so much? Um, I actually just was having this conversation the other day, and it's because. So okay, so at the very base is I think, the, I don't know where I learned this in my life. It was I was young. I was like maybe mid mid teens. Part of it is my parenting. So my parents, you know, when we moved here, we we're the first one of the few Colombians in Grand Island, Nebraska. And as the years went by, pretty much every Colombian that came after us stayed at our home at some point mm. for sometimes a week, sometimes months until they got on their feet and they were able to, like nobody in our mentality was nobody should have to go through the shit we went through. So we're going to be, you know, welcome wow. people into our home. So all that did is built community. And at a point, our house was known as the Colombian embassy. And in Christmases we had, we celebrated like Colombian custom does, which is like nine days before Christmas. You go to different people's houses. But the first Christmas we were here, we couldn't go to anybody's house. Yeah. So by the time we had enough nine, high, nine, nine households that we could go to before ending up back at our home for the Christmas Eve party, um, we like built this community. So like my whole life I've been like used to talking to people who are like from different places doing different things and just like accepting them for who they were. We had people who were poor for all sorts of different reasons who ended up on our couch in our in our spare bedroom so some of it is that and then some of it is uh i just genuinely have I, I, people have curiosity in, in, in different ways i think that's what makes them like people who you're curious about 
fossils are the ones that end up becoming archaeologists. You mm. know what I'm saying? People who are curious about whatever. But my curiosity is in people. And that was one of the things I did enjoy about the job was the people that I got to really meet. And so some of it came from Southwestern. But I learned I learned that early on that um, there's like a Venn diagram between every person that ever existed. So like your Venn diagram of your life and the Venn diagram of my life or I guess the circle of my life and your circle of life, the Venn diagram that they shape, there's always, even at the very least, there's got to be something. Some sort of connection. Like Hitler. I have very few things in common with Hitler, except for I also like art. Or we both published a book. Facial hair. We have facial hair. Like, at some point, something crosses, right? <laughs> Comedian compares himself to Hitler. No, it's just, it's just my point is, there's nobody, uh, there's a quote that I read that was like, if you could read everybody's life story, like in a book, like a memoir, there's nobody in the world you couldn't love. And so, um, that's kind of like my mentality towards it is, uh, be curious. But the problem is, Ted Lasso, the, my favorite quote from there was, was be curious, not judgmental, which is actually a Walt Whitman quote. But when he said that, I was like, I feel seen because that's how I've always approached people. And I think the second part of that is not being judgmental. So it's very easy for my morals, my principles, my values, my faith, my beliefs to be projected into someone and for me to judge them based on what I perceive is the truth. But here's the deal. Even if I'm right about where we go to when, after we die or how you raise your kids or how to, even if I'm right about all of those things, right is such an arbitrary thing. But let's just say there is a correct way to be a parent or a correct way to, to follow a God mm-hmm. or whatever. Let's say all of those things are right. It is not my job to tell people to be like that, like me. It is my job to try to understand people of why they are like they are, regardless of what I think of them. So, for example, if I meet a person that does uh, that deals is a drug dealer, right? Society would tell us that that is a quote bad person, right? But who's who are we to say even as a society? Given right, we were just having this conversation about ethics and morals, right? And what you think is immoral and what you think is moral and what you think is ethical and what you think is unethical is you. And all of these things are subjective because you can find an excuse for everything. You should never murder. Yeah. But what if, like, someone's, like, trying to kill a little baby and the only way to stop him is to kill him? You know what I mean? You get these, like, moral things. So to avoid all that bullshit, my approach to it, I'm getting to tangent, but my approach to it, knowing all that is I'm going to be curious about what you do and I'm going to be extra careful to make sure that even though I might agree or disagree with how you do it or why you do it, it won't interrupt me from trying to understand you. And that's it. That's literally it. Which is why I can have a conversation with someone who uh, is a drug dealer or someone who does pornography or someone who is a preacher or someone who is a firefighter. To me, it makes no difference because we're all human. And so by default, we're all great and shitty at the same time. It doesn't matter. And so because none of that matters, I am curious at will, without having my predispositions of what I believe is good, bad, ugly, determine that. And that's it. That's the answer to your question is how, where that, that's my entire approach is be curious and don't be judgmental. And judgmental, judgment comes from what you think is right and or wrong. And so forget what you think is right and wrong and don't worry about what the person's saying, even if it's insulting to you. That's what's helped me 
um, approach it that way. Now, ultimately, as I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, this job has sharpened that skill, I think, to a new level where now um, when I would meet people, I would like to tell them all about me as well. I would like to learn about them, but then the second half of that was, and I wasn't judgmental, but then I would expect them to want to be curious about me and then also not be judgmental. Mm, expected curiosity. Yeah, and so I was expect. I gave you curiosity, so give me curiosity, and I wouldn't always get it, so I'd judge people for that. Mm. Or I would get the curiosity, but then they would judge me for that. So they would share with me all these things about like what they thought. I believe that Trump should be president, for example, to make it political. And I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I don't agree with you, and I'm not judging for that you for that. That's fine. But then I would tell them I think that Obama should be president or whatever, whoever, the, Biden, Hillary, whatever, or Bernie, whatever. And they'd be like, oh, you're a liberal. It's like, okay, but I didn't judge you, right? So I was running into a lot of this sometimes. But my skills now through the podcast have gotten me to the point where I can be curious and non-judgmental and either not expect curiosity back. And then if I do get curiosity back, even though I didn't expect it, to be able to come off in a way that I'm not, I'm also not going to be judged. And that's been the real like ultimate connection that I've made at least up till now. And I don't know how much more or I'm excited to learn the next level of whatever connecting with people is. But I think to answer your question, that's how it's evolved into what it is now that you witnessed when we were in. I also don't know it intentionally. I just do it opportunistically. Yeah, so if know, it's a per- male, old, young, female, that uh, black, white, the matter, like if it's a human, I will connect with them or try to. Yeah, I mean that's Opportun- yeah. that's what I noticed the most is like it's it's like it's not like you were trying. It was like just natural. It's like yeah, you're like breathing. Yeah, it is now. Like that yeah, now it, it is now. It was I, it, there was a point where I was trying. Of to. Of course, not yeah. always. Yeah, yeah. But it's fun now. It's like really enjoyable now. Every time I meet a new person, I'm like, I'm gonna get some deep shit. And it's not even a challenge anymore. It used to be another thing where I would do it as a challenge. Now it's more like I'm going to do it just because I want, I need that connection with a person. Hmm. Yeah, it makes me feel, back to the happiness, to bring it all for a circle, it makes me feel satisfied. It makes me feel complete and, and fulfilled and, and full of joy. Just because I imagine what's, imagine it's what it's like when people who are good at a sport or something, like when they hit the home run or where they, yeah. you know, yeah. drain the basket. It's like, oh, this must be what it feels like. Yeah. I know that because it's sure. what it feels like when I do stand-up yeah. also. Yeah. 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 Um. Or to the analogy, which is like when it's going to the gym. When I said connecting yeah. with people. It's like, it, it, this must be what Seth feels like when he takes off his shirt. It's like, yeah, I did this. Yeah, I worked for this, and it, now it's a joy, and now it's like, look at this. This is the result. I am good at this. Yeah, I like the harder it was, the better it's gonna feel. He's ripped. Yeah, he is. God, he's bumpy. Also, a great book. Build the life you want. Pretty solid. Well, how about you say we get into some uh, rapid fire questions? Yeah, I sent them to you. Did you see them? My phone is on. Do not disturb. Oh, wow. I can pull them up. Okay. All right. First question. Yep. Favorite state that you sold in? New York. Heard great things about upstate New York. Amazing place. Yeah. Uh, close second, Vermont, but New York. Vermont was prettier. Shout out Washington, uh, Wisconsin. Thank Boo. you. 
Um, favorite kind of turf? Country, favorite. Middle high income country, no doubt. Mm. Uh, not super spread out, though. Like, where within one mile, you can see at least yeah. three houses. Uh, oof, if you, three houses in a mile? Minimum. Oof. That's, a mile is a long way. Oh, I, I know. I worked square mile, like... You're hoping five a mile? At least one. Oh, yeah. Anything more... If you have to travel more than two miles to the next house... Yeah, that's, that's shitty. I think one a mile is pretty yeah. solid. But if you get, like, three within Oof. that mile, and they're Oof. all middle high income, where the Oof. where the money objection is relevant 30% of the time... If that. I will... I'll, go, I'll sell 10,000 units in that tomorrow. Yeah. No, it's solid. Done. Um, speaking of selling 10,000 units, favorite advanced sales? Bill Zizzy and Dave Rosen. Zizzy Rosen is unbeatable. Yeah. It's unbeatable. It's it's like a different yeah. tier. It's just different. It's, so it's like you have all the advanced sales and then Zizzy Rosen. I will say the close one is, another close one is, um, I don't know if it was the same one or if he had two different ones, but if it's two, both of them. Mark Rao. Mm. Um, the one where he opens up with uh, Michael Phelps. Yeah. Swimming every 10,000 meters every day. He loves that. Except for Christmas each year. It's so good. And then the one where he talks about, I don't know if it's the same advanced sales tip, but the one he talks about where he's, the football game, all the big animals versus the little animals. I, I don't <laughs> hear that one. <laughs> Dude. I, okay. I, but Dude. I've heard of that story. Real quick. All the big animals are playing the little animals. They're getting smushed at halftime. Uh, by halftime. So all the little animals going back to the second half. And the squirrel all of a sudden has the ball and boom, the elephant gets tackled. And the rhino, and then, then the ant has the ball and then all of a sudden, boom, the rhino gets tackled. And he's like, what the hell? And then the little animals end up winning. And then the locker room after is like, holy shit, what happened? We want to come back. Like, we were getting creamed by the, by the big animals. What happened? And uh, the, the coach is like, all right, all right, hold on. Who took out the elephant? And a uh, little centipede in the back just raises one of his legs. Yeah, that was me. Was, Damn, nice play, nice play. Okay, but who took out the rhino? Same corner of the room, centipede, probably a different arm. He says, <laughs> raise another. A lot of arms. That was me. Raise. And he goes, okay, but who took out the tiger? Same centipede, that was me. He goes, dude, where the hell were you in the first half? He goes, I was lacing my boots up. I was lacing up my cleats. I heard that one. <laughs> so funny, dude. Oh, oh, man, I would listen to that all the time. Mark Rao had some good advance. Mark Rao had the best stories. It's unfortunate he's that he's still a director of sales because whenever he's done and if he ever wants to come on here for whatever reason. He is a phenomenal storyteller. So, the story about when they went to the uh, Florida basketball game. Have you heard this story? Yes, I've heard oh, that one. Oh, my God, dude. You got... The uh, bear, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got holds you in. Yeah, it's it's obvious why he sold so many books. I mean, he he's a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah, hey, his storytelling craft is that's superior. I mean superior. That's all sales is storytelling. Yeah, he's it was good. So that was but but Bill's is he but close second is that yeah that uh, or his even though it's a I think a hope I hope at this point it's a joke but the mail speech the. Oh, the men's men. meeting. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not I a story, it's a, but it's like a speech. Yeah, but just I hope it's a joke at this point. No, it's gotta but it's got to be a joke. It's but uh, it's gotta be a joke. But uh, I, you, it's good. It's you know, funny. it's not a joke though. What's that? The men literally making the meeting 
the year after the woman made a meeting. Yeah, holy shit. They were like, well, if they get a meeting. We gotta get a meeting. Oh, but I mean, it's funny to think back now. That wasn't a joke. No. Now it's The a rest joke. of it is funny. It's just more for fun. They still do it. It's really funny. It's so funny. Um, okay, favorite HP you had? You got Rita, you got... You got Lisa Christensen. Lisa Christensen. Yeah, Lisa Christensen. Amaeus, Pennsylvania. Adol. She was, I mean, epic. Um, favorite... Dude, I gotta tell you why real quick. Lisa had hosted Book Kids before, so she had this, like, routine down. Oh, she had a system? Yeah, she's like, our garage shed is available if you need to place your books. Like, she had a d- every aspect of being Dude, a manager. Dude, storing books yeah. at, your, at your HQ? Amazing. And they were so cool with it. Chef's kiss. And then on top of that, this particular year, uh, Lisa had just made a transition into plant-based food only. So she was like vegan pretty much. But she was trying to learn cuisine and uh, teaching classes on how to... Or taking classes on how to cook only vegan food. And during the summer, she had a 12-week course. Hmm. So often, she would make too much food. And we'd come home and be like, oh, I made this like fondue, oh, no. vegan fondue. Do you guys want some? And we're like... Not Fuck too it. much food. And she nailed it every time. Every nailed time. it every, every time. time. Just, and we still keep in touch. She's great. Lisa, you're probably, hopefully, hopefully you listen to this. Lisa, you are a rock star. She, she was great. She, when I was sick and I lost like 15 pounds after I was at the hospital, mm-hmm. it, I had, she was like taking care of me. It was an angel. And Neil. Neil's husband. That was like my, my third summer HQ. Just like, yeah, it's angel among us. Just amazing. Yeah. I mean, this is a people you're like, wow. Yeah. Just humanity. Uh, favorite place you had recce? Billy's Shoes, my first summer. Billy's Shoes uh, shop. Close second was my second summer, the breakfast spot I have with Danny. Um, but uh, biggest pancakes you ever seen. But, uh, you're saying. But uh, yeah, Billy's Shoes. They got they did execs with us at the end of summer. Eating shoes. Okay. It, and it was when I was kicking ass, so I'd walk in. Uh, yeah, I, just, I feel like usually our breakfast thoughts are tied to how many books we sold yeah. that week. But it was all, everything about my first summer was like picture perfect. Yeah, your HQ was amazing, but was like awesome. it was good. And I ate enough shit that it was hard, but it wasn't like, but I didn't eat, like have car problems, you know, anything like that. And like everything went perfect relatively. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite follow day? You following or being followed? Didn't, didn't you follow Danny and speak Chinese? Yeah, that was a good day. That was a funny. Danny found out. And I invite. I don't know if I told this story on the ponytails. I don't know. I've heard, I've heard. I think I told him when he was on the on the show. But so um, I'll pick a different story. Just I'll just pick a different day, just because that's my favorite. But just for the sake of the episode, to tell a new story. And I think I've told this story before a long time ago. But my Steve, I was following Steve my second day of the summer, first summer, and we stopped at a house and needed to take a shit. We were talking to uh, Mr. Fox, uh, who, who in Olean, New York, and or I don't know if it was Olean, whatever. Steve's territory, and Steve went to use the bathroom. Old guy, served in World War Two. He was like ninety, and all of a sudden, Steve's in the bathroom. So I'm like, "Oh, how old's your house?" Like talking to him. Ten minutes go by, and I'm like, "Steve's like, oh yeah, very by the book." Steve's by the book, so spending now. 20 minutes at a non-prospect's house is not ideal. No. 20 minutes go by. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And we're standing, there's the door. Hey, Mr. Fox and I are standing right here. The, he can't hear very well. The toilet's flushed at least four or five times. 
since we've been in the, in the house. And I'm like, what the hell? What the hell are you doing, Steve? I'm trying to come up with things to say to this old man that I have no way of connecting with because we have very little in common. He's a 92-year-old white man who served in World War II. I'm a brown college kid from Nebraska. Yeah, not a lot of overlap there. On, Nothing. On the Venn diagram. That Venn diagram is uh, approaching Adolf yeah. thinness. And finally, Steve comes out. He's like, Mr. Fox, let's meet you. Thank you so much. We're going to go to the next. I'm like thinking Steve's getting out of here quick because we wasted a bunch of time. He must have taken a big shit. And we drive down the road. He goes, we got to get out of here now. We're going to go to a different town. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, dude, I clogged that guy's toilet and I tried seven different ways to try to unclog it. It's still clogged. And my shit is just bubbling at the very top of the bowl. I, we got to go before he gets mad. <laughs> and I was like, what the Oh, what a good day. And then the only customer we had that day was one that I sold when I was locking for the, you know, they gave you the bag for like one or two doors yeah, yeah, yeah. for like 30 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. First door, get a sit down. She buys a one through four. It takes like an hour, which is the only feedback Steve could give me. It was like, you always take this long with your customers. I'm like, yeah, but they always get a one through four. He goes, okay, just try to cut it down to like 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'll do my best, man, but that's the best I can do it. But that was the only customer we had. <laughs> her name was Cindy Cindy what a good holiday love that yeah my best day was a holiday which is fun it's fun yeah I watched Phil Zoki sell to a cop my second summer or my first summer oh, I and I was like you bastard I this is obviously very different but just kind of random I sold books to a cop while she was on like on patrol um, wow in virtual sales my second summer yeah Hell yeah. That whole thing. I didn't follow I didn't follow that many people my first summer. I followed a lot my first summer. My second summer I followed once. And then I was followed so much my last summer. Yeah. I mean when you're cut crushing it, you get followed. Well it was also because I was the only non B in the org. Other than the our, our, yeah. our org leader. I actually mentally I was and, trying to cope with being off schedule. It was so a like, six boy HQ, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. So of course you're gonna get followed exactly. a lot. One one a week, one a day almost pretty much. Oh it was it each was kid. It was almost it wasn't until like late in my second week of that summer that I was just working alone. I'd rather, I preferred follow days. I like and holidays, I, but I, dude, I asked for them you, I asked for them because I wouldn't be off schedule. That is smart. Because if I had my rule was if I was with somebody, I wouldn't I would work the whole day. I uh, yeah, of course. I um yeah, I mean, I, I love a good follow day, such as a fun person, but, dude, when you're when you're almost two weeks in, sometimes you just need your you time, you know. I like, don't know what that's like. <laughs> I uh like I just I needed to like, you know, breathe. I needed to just feel just like go and do whatever I want, like, and and I told Emma I was like, hey, you can you can put whoever behind me. I'm not gonna get thirty dollars in front of them. I'm gonna sell a lot of books, and I was very, I was very firm on that. And so, you gotta be. I would just like um, count them. They'd be less than thirty demos, and then I'd be like, "I'm gonna do me to because we would send our stats to the first year, so he could send the total the stats for his day or, or their day. So I'm like, "Do you want me to text him what I actually got, or, or just a random number or thirty? And I would do, I would just text them like thirty. 
So that way you could tell them, or they could feel like you got 31. Yeah. But you didn't. Because Emma didn't want them to know that. Yeah. But or, any mean, or later. Mark Rouse said the best. Any or you were 14 hours, you saw 100 units, or you get 30 demos. You get two of those three, you get to go home. So, if you're selling a lot of books and working a lot of hours, nobody's mad at you. You didn't get 30. I have a comment about that, but I don't, I don't really want to get into it. Okay. Uh, um, That's fine. Fave off-schedule story. Oh, shit. I mean, I went horseback riding. Also, let's make this more rapid. We've been doing like... Yeah. I mean, these are never rapid. Unrapid. I went, I went, rapid is because it's the first thing that comes to mind, not oh, because okay. the questions are answered fast, but th- these are going faster than most rapid fire questions oh, okay. I normally get. I, I, I've been trying yeah. to do rapid. No, you're good, you're good. Um, I'm not going to mention who it was with, but I went to the movies with a girl in the book field. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. I'll just say that. For yeah. Now. I mean, there's a ton, but that was, that's what I want. Um, fave sales day? Um... I think that was the day that uh, I had a family that I, I, it was the first domino of my journey in my faith mm. was when I had a family late night, one of those, like, you know, and then they you. bought, but prayed for me, fed me chicken. Really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. That's big. Um, oh, this is a good one. Biggest family. By like number yeah. in the family. I this number has changed. I know my record. I, this this number has changed because I can't. I think it was. I want to say it was eighteen. That's pretty good. It might have been sixteen. That's pretty good. My best. I was, think it was eighteen. With I think the reason I get confused is because I count the number of kids versus the number of total people in the family, and I want to say it was eighteen kids, twenty total, or sixteen kids, eighteen. Total. I can't remember now. My my biggest was twelve kids. It's crazy. I mean, I sit down with his mom. Uh, the guy was the like district, district, district. So like higher up on the channel of AutoZones or O'Reilly's. Like it was a similar, one of those car yeah, like parts, chain places, shops. chains. And he was like the manager of the Northeast. That's pretty so good. So he was like. That's pretty good. He was, yeah, I mean, he was, you had to have an income to fucking feed, say, 18 kids. <laughs> you do. I don't remember exactly how many kids. I remember the age range. It was Oldest was 21. She was in college. With all their kids, yeah, they had, they had another thing that confuses me is they had two of them were adopted, so I can't remember if it was it was eighteen kids, but sixteen were theirs and eight and two weren't. Oh, but the youngest, youngest was, uh, like nine months, and that was the range. She had Still two kicking. sets of twins, um, and I remember at one point I'm like, hey, they bought, and I was like, two sets of twins will rack your numbers up fast, dude. I was like. That's a two what for does one special. breakfast look like? That's two for in one special. Right there. I cannot imagine how you even cook breakfast for fucking all these kids. Cheaper by the dozen. How, how does how does dinner work when you go to a family trip? I asked him. I was like, so what do you? So we rent a school bus. Uh, like they have to. You have to. There's no other option. I'm sorry, they buy one. Just imagine that if each kid had a decent piece of luggage for for uh, to travel in. Just how much? Just how much space you needed within luggage alone? It's insane. It was insane. I'm like, how do you? She goes, it's fifty grand to go to Disney World. Flights, tickets, you know, like flights going through security with babies and imagine, imagine 
How could you do it? You have to. You you just can't. You can't. And no way you love them all the same. You can't. You gotta have favorites at that point. If you have three kids, you go. I love them. My kids the same. Got yeah. They're all, they're if all you have ten plus, one of them is your least favorite. There's no fucking way. It's too much. Well, at the very least, one of them is your favorite. There's no. You do, statistically speaking, you can't know ten people and ha- like them all the same. No. Oh, I do. no, you don't. You're no. lying to yourself or your children. No. Move on, lady. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Um. Most famous person you met? Mario Andretti. I've told yeah. this story a lot of yep. times. So great story. Yeah. Go check up. Any episode. Uh, Jack Harlow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Andres Gamboa. What story? Barrera. What story do I tell? Barrera. That's right. What is your we talked about earlier, earlier we yeah which one which one you tell me i mean there's the one you know the... i i love a good and then they bought story but the other one's just so good. i just saw that one danny says that that's the best book book story he's ever heard it might be <laughs> I can't believe this happened. The ponytail of all ponytails, ladies and gentlemen. Take it away. If you have kids in the car. <laughs> if you just have kids. Hug your mom after this. Yeah. And if you don't have a mom, sorry for your loss. Just tell a story. <laughs> I gotta take a shot before I do this. Well, <laughs> stories. Wild. I don't know. I mean, listen, I've heard. Can't make it up. As you can imagine, you can't make it up. This you can't. First of all, you can't make. I can't have made this up. A, I don't know a, that I. Honestly, if I may, if I'm making this up, I'm more proud of my creativity. A Hollywood script comedy writer couldn't write this up. I would be. Like I said, I'd be proud of my. Yeah, inventiveness and creativity for. I mean, I, I, my God, I, just give it to me if it's fake. Yeah. Oh, because it's so yeah. creative. Maybe we're overhyping it. No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> the the amount of things that occurred, you're not. <coughs> you're not. All right. Fourth summer. Fourth summer. I am selling in a town called Enfield, Connecticut, which is bordered in the north by Massachusetts, and so it's like one of the suburbs of Springfield, Massachusetts. Fun fact: that's where the Basketball Hall of Fame is. Nice. No big deal. One of the Springfields. <clears throat> Off schedule uh, that summer until I got a. Oh, sorry. I was. I would. I would mentally yeah. off schedule. So I was trying to avoid people. My approach was shit. On this day, I felt you know what? Let's have a good day. Going so far, everything's good. Run into the series of houses, <clears throat> and it's one of those doors where, the. The screen door is closed, but the main door is open, so you can hear into the house, but you so you know what I'm talking about, like the screen door. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so hyped to have a good day. It's like, I motiv- I had a, I found a way to really get into it today. I'm like, you know, today's a good day to have a good day. Let's go fucking kill it. So I'm back on my on mode, which means I'm sprinting to the door, oblivious to things going on around me, which is an important I think if I had been in a different attitude and I was just going through the motions to knock on the door, this story wouldn't have happened. Thank God. So I guess here's the case for 
making a case for if you want good stories be on, be on schedule do your, do it well <clears throat> so and i i i you know you, you when you're running you just drop the bag yeah anywhere on the yeah. porch there's like oh fuck it along just, the way it is somewhere there's a, you, you know you don't have time to place it pretty you just drop it you knock on the door you step back through times and you're like let's go so yep. it's a small little porch, probably this, not even bigger than the area that this couch takes up. And as I finally like settle, because you're just dropping, knocking the door, breathe. And I finally hear what's going on inside the house. <clears throat> and through the screen door, I hear. And I'm like. Oh no, 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 no. This is terrible. This is terrible. Fuck. Oh, I should probably just leave. Hopefully, they didn't even hear. They probably didn't. They, clearly, they were too preoccupied to have heard my knocking. They had like those watering metal pail cans, <clears throat> and the porch was not like it had stuff on it. Yeah. And so I was like, shit, I got to get out of here. So in the same hurry to tr- that I got there, on top of what I already was trying to like get sprint to the next door, I was already like un- extra edgy because I'm like, yeah. this is very uncomfortable. Yeah. So I just pick up my bag. And because I just threw my bag wherever it was, the strap, I don't know what caught, to be honest, to this day, I still don't know. Something, Something. caught this metal pail that is used to water your plants. yeah. yeah. And so when I went to grab my bag, it just went cling, 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 cling. And the sound from inside the house stopped. stopped. And I just hear a, hello? And, oh, fuck. So I go, hi. Can I help you? Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm doing some stuff with education. Mind you, the approach is fucked at this point. I'm so like out of my element right now. I'm thrown off. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just a, Reasonably just tough. selling books. This is some book stuff with education. I can. I, it sounds like you're busy. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Cut, wait, wait, wait a second. Just one second. Fuck. This is the last thing I want to do is spend time here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, I hear like shuffling like this, like, oh. okay, come on in. What what do you do? Let me ask let me stop here. What do you do here? Because if the answer is anything but go inside the house, it's wrong. If you're asking if you're asking what is the best thing to do to sell some books, it's to leave. But if you're asking what I would do because I want the best fucking story possible. I mean this did cross my mind. I mean at this point You go in the house. You gotta understand at this point, when she says come in, this is I, by the way, this is the most detail I've ever told the story with. The, a lot of things went through my mind. I'm sure. And remember, I love being funny. And if it for the sake of the story, for the plot. I'm a martyr. For the plot. I do it for the plot. For the so plot. So the first first thought was, I should probably just leave. Because <laughs> half of me was going, she might think I was creeping whatever on whatever was happening inside that house. So I'm like, I should probably just go. But then the other part of me was like, I need to know what was going on inside this door. 
And then third, regardless of how this ends up, this is going to be a good story. Great and story. boy, was I right. <laughs> you were, so you were I go inside. I was like, here, here, here's how you know. If you did leave, would have been a great story. Yeah, at this point. Already a good story. There's another half. Dude, I'll tell you what, and this is not to do a spoiler. This is not a spoiler of what happens next. But I'll tell you right now. When all of the rest of this went down, when I left this house... My immediate thought when I got in the car was, besides, holy shit, I can't believe this happened, was this stat call <laughs> is going to be crazy. No crazy. St- no stats will be discussed. Cra- nothing. I told Danny, I was like, actually, I had a zero day, but I got to tell you the craziest thing that's ever happened to me in the book field. And he goes, okay. And Danny was the OL, so I was reporting to him. Yeah. And at the end, that's what, from that day, he's like, that's the funniest thing that I've ever heard. Happened to somebody on the book field. Please. So I go inside. Now, remind you, the approach was he not came solid. inside. I came inside. I, too, came inside. And um, the scene, let me just paint the picture. So it's a, it's, it's a small house. It's, this is not a big house. It's it, it, the, maybe a two-bedroom, one-bath, maybe 900-square-foot home. It's just a oh, little, yeah. little, little house. Not big. Um, and so that being said, there was a <clears throat> the, the furniture was this fluffy, really uh, gushy. It like this couch is like a minimalist couch kind mm-hmm. of. This was like one of those where it's like you sink into it, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. giant fluffy set of couches. It's a woman who, to her credit, relatively attractive compared to most moms. Plus, I'm sure book goggles is contributing. Plus, the sounds that were coming from the house also probably contributing, but. Generally speaking, there wasn't like uh, what I would traditionally call unattractive to me anyway. Yeah. To be fair. And then that's it. There's a TV in the kitchen. And I'm like, huh. Okay. So she's like, come in, come in, sit down. So I sit down. For those of you who are just listening, who aren't watching, it's a, a, she's sitting in one couch closest to the corner and I'm sitting on the closest to the corner on the other couch. So we are diagonally sitting across from each other and she's sitting on the load of pillows and remind you this is a fluffy couch and she's like okay i've been meaning to talk to you guys about this this is something like i I might be like paraphrasing some of what she said but it was the gist of i've been waiting for you to come and in my head i'm like i just started in this town so there's no way Um, that she is i'm not that famous yet she's no way she's talking about like books yeah so I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I think that the education system in this town needs an uptick and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait, 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 wait hold on. Wait, hold on. I'm so sorry. Let me just start. I think we're, I don't think I am who you think I am. I'm selling books. And she's like, what? You're not with the schools? Because remember, the approach was, I'm something education. Yeah. Like she just, it's flustered, right? So. And she's also flustered. Oh, dude, it's just confusing for everybody. <laughs> and she's like. Oh, what do you mean books? So I take out her slick, the little pamphlet, open it, and I go reach forward and hand it to her. And as I'm reaching forward to hand it, this is important to the story, as I'm reaching forward to hand it to her, she leans forward and the pillows that she's sitting on, the pressure on those pillows is lifted. The angle of the cushion of the couch changes. And so as the pillows lift and the cushion changes, tilt, and she's reaching forward, out rolls this veiny, triumphant <laughs> bastard of a dildo. And I mean, this thing is 
If it had a race, it was black. I mean, in color, it was skin colored. But I mean, it's the biggest penis I've ever seen in my life. Thing rolls off the couch and with a loud thump goes boom, boom on the ground. And it like almost like jiggles. Like it's like, it just like jiggles on the ground. And I look down and she looks down and I go, oh. And she's like, oh my God. Oh my, she picks it up, shoves it back under the pillows. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, I, I knocked on your door. You didn't invite me over. I, I'm so sorry. How do you, I, I've also left this out to other people because the story had to be shorter, but I was just like, how, how do you do that? I, it's, that's, it's so big. Like it, it was so, dude, I, I couldn't understand dude, crying. Cause if you this woman is five, two, maybe a hundred pounds. If she was soaking right. wet, where are you putting that? And this thing was, it had to have been, I mean, we'd, we'd write home as males. If we were endowed this in this such manner, like, proportionally it was just like no way i and by the way these are all split seconds i'm not like it's not like i'm sitting there five minutes yeah yeah it's within the first count to ten and all of these things came out i was like oh how what do you i can't believe what do you i should what what, i'm so i i came to your house and and at the same time she's like oh my god oh my so like it's one of those situations where everybody's talking it just like to think about what's going through her her head so it kind of like calms down and i'm like I, I'm so I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. She's like, you're embarrassed. Like, I'm so sorry. And I go, like, this is how porno started. What? Hi. Why did you invite me? And she's like, I don't know. I just, I my kids in school, and I'm like so mad about this education system. And so I I, I, I am so like I'm like who puts it dude, under pillows? But here's the deal. We've met people in the book field. Throw it in a closet, dude. Throw it out a window. My thought, here's my suspicion, is she must have been completely butt naked doing her thing. Oh, so comfortably. She she was taking time to put clothes on. And so the time that it took for me to like knock and like, but not peek through the door. Because again, I was standing three foot back, but if I would have been like most door to door people where they're kind of like peeking through the door or whatever, (laughs) I would have totally seen everything. So like, it's actually lucky that it wasn't like some Vivant guy or some Cutco guy that it was a Southwestern person that actually didn't see anything because I'm assuming that's must have, cause, cause you're right. If she had been fully clothed, she would have probably like, would have like Fucking put it anywhere, anywhere other and, than under your ass. Yeah. But she must've just been like, Oh shit. Like what do I do? But fuck it. I'll just throw it under the pillows. Like who's going to see it there. Right. You. Um, yeah. Um, gravity. We're all victims of physics, I suppose. But all of that said, <clears throat> after it all calmed down, I was just like, you know, and she explained what she was doing, and I'm like, finally, she's like, so wait, I'm sorry, what are you, what are you, what are you doing again? So I'm like, I'm selling books. So she's like, you're not with the schools. So I'm like, no, no, I'm not. And I'm like, you know what, I, I'm just gonna, I'm so sorry. I'm like really embarrassed. I'm just gonna go out to next door. And I'm, by the way, I'm acting like I'm like embarrassed. To me, this is hilarious. Hysterical. I'm like, I'm telling you, by the time all this happened, I'm like, me? this staff call is gonna be legendary. So. Um, I don't know if I even try to get pre-approach. 
I don't think I needed to because the house next had like kids' toys in the yard. So it's one of those. I was like, okay, clearly they have kids. And so I left that neighborhood immediately. The funniest part of this story is about two weeks later, I come back and I, I go this. sit down with this family next door. I knock on the I'm like, they have kids. I'm going to just knock on the door and I get to sit down. They don't buy. That's the same cul de sac, right? It's a house right next to her. Yeah. And I mean, again, these are small houses. So it's not like you could throw a baseball at our house from three houses away. Yeah. Um, and we're, I, I sit down with the mom. She doesn't buy. And I go get prayed for it. She goes, don't go to the next door lady. She's kind of weird. <laughs> but she didn't have a kid. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, what about this place? Like everybody else here, there's like six houses. All of them are old. They're, we're the only two with kids. Uh, but we don't let our kids play with them. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I wonder why. I, was like, I mean, some parenting. So I, um, and I'm not judging her for her parenting. Maybe the other lady was mean, but I don't know. But I'm leaving... And I go but get back to my car. And at this point, when I get there, nobody's home. But it was like 20, 30 minutes. And again, I was really off schedule. So like my sit-downs would be like half an hour. I'd get fed every once in a while. Right? So by the time I'm leaving this house, mom's home, naked lady's home. And she's out in the yard like working on her garden. Or I think she was shrubbing, cutting some shrubs or something. I don't fucking know. Of course know. she was. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh. And like she sees me. And I'm like, hey. And she's like, come here. So I was like, so I like go over, and she's like, "Hey, I'm, <clears throat> I'm so sorry about the other day." And I'm like, "It's okay." And she's like, "Okay, I know you told me you were like doing something with books last time. I was really confused. And what are you doing again?" And so this time I'm like, I realize I'm like, I actually never give her like a full demo. And again, I'm like, thirty demos somehow. So I pull out the fucking books and she like show her and she's like, hey, what's the cheapest thing that you got? And I was like, hmm, I could have said the Mufus. I could have said the cup. I was like, these are 120 bucks of the Exploring List, 140 bucks. She's like, okay, do you take cash? I was like, yeah. So she's like, give me those. I'm like, what's your name? She's like, no, I just, I just, I'll take them. Do you have them on you? And I was a manager, so I had them in my car. I never got her name. That's phenomenal. Nothing. And she goes, just keep this between us, okay? He didn't do that. <laughs> and I was like, I, uh, I mean, I don't think I ever agreed, but I was like, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know what I said. I yeah. was like, all right, that'll be 140. She definitely didn't tell me to share this story on a podcast nearly eight years later, but. It'd be weird if she did. She, nobody would know who she is. But you don't know who she is. I don't know who she is. I never got her name. Nothing. Like it was one of the, I, I don't even know how I wanted the name. And and also because I don't know if I wanted her to have my name. Because at this point I was already more like I'd already processed what happened and in my head I was like, I don't know if I want her to like what if she calls a company and like complains that I like intruded or something? Like it could come off that way and like so I was also thinking rationally like it's totally cool if she doesn't have my name, but I'll take the units. I'll take the cash. Yeah. No problem. Um, but yeah, of course, that night when I, I called Danny and I'm like, bro, I didn't get I didn't customer, but I got to tell you what happened today. And uh, it was, that was probably the most ridiculous thing where I'm like, yeah, in what world would that ever happen? No anyway? world. Like it was, it, a lot of people have still books and I'm sure some of them were into something similar, but I've never heard a story of 250 episodes that had anything similar to that it was crazy that was crazy I'll never forget the thump it was it's like 
It was like a thump. Like, like a impressive in a lot of ways. This lady's uh, flexibility. Hoo-ha. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Just. Well, with that. Well. With hoo-ha. Um, on that note. <laughs> There's a ton more stories. We'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll tell them over the course of the next 200 for the episodes. Yeah. So maybe I'll come back for 500. Mm. <laughs> That'd be fun every 250. Every 250. And then we get to 1,000. It could be, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. That was Andres Gamboa, Planet Tales episode. <laughs> Your host, my friend. And with that, uh, yeah. Come to Bizzler, everybody. Please. It means a lot. It's fun. Yeah. And don't keep your dildos in your pillows. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Bye.